My name is Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. Now we're talking all things New York sports with you right up till 5 a.m. on this what? Late Friday night, early Saturday morning here in New York City and beyond. Whatever you're doing at the moment, maybe you've seen that uh, McCarthy wins his 15th vote for House Speaker. No politics on the show, though. Uh, whatever it is, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now throughout the rest of the next three hours on your car radio, maybe 1019 FM. 660 AM, streaming from WFAN.com, or on that free Odyssey app. Welcome night owls, and welcome early birds that might be out there catching those worms already. And of course, we're here in lower Manhattan. Brian McKeon and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here. And you go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666. Taking your calls right here in this first segment, so get aboard. All right, so a mishmash of, of sorts of topics in the open here tonight, which is fine. Uh, mostly because there are a lot of loose ends around here. Uh, but number one, first and foremost, uh, this is my first time behind a microphone um, since that, that, that horrific accident in Cincinnati. And I, and I have to tell you that ESPN broadcast team was phenomenal in dealing with such a unique circumstance. We'll put it that way. But back to the player, back to the man, DeMar Hamlin. I mean, I couldn't sleep that night. I think the last time I looked at the clock was 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 twelve forty a.m. up at six to go to school, uh, so it was it was a tired day. But you know what? I was just so upset for him. That's all anybody could talk about that day at school: teachers, kids, a whole thing. But I, I was upset for him. I was upset for the Bills fans, for Cincinnati fans, for for T Higgins. Like it wasn't his fault. Like for his fa- for for the football community, right? For his family, everybody. Demar Hamlin. A kid living his dream, put on that uniform with every intention of taking it off himself after that game. And that didn't happen. And we all saw it. We all watched in horror as that 24-year-old kid fought for his life right there on the field in Cincinnati. And and there's no need to harp on how awful it was. But, you know, we're sitting here at a point where the most favorable update, a miraculous update, has been shared, and I'm not going to explain it. I'll just say, I'll give you the preface here, and I'll say that the Bills team meetings today, or Friday, I guess, Friday, were interrupted by a FaceTime or Zoom or, or Google Meets or whatever it is, but they were interrupted by a video call today from UC Medical Center. So here's a clip of head coach Sean McDermott's presser from lunchtime Friday, and you know what? He'll do a better job explaining it to you. He made... Uh, hand signals, hand gestures, right? Of he, the thing that <laughs> makes me laugh is is he did this to the guys, you know, right away. And, um, he flexed, he flexed, uh, he flexed on them, I guess. And uh, um, he's just got some staple things that they know him for and that he does. And he made the heart the heart symbol probably more than anything. Um, and then he gave him a thumbs up. So, uh, and then somewhere in the midst of of that and it was a little bit hard to hear but he as you'd imagine he said uh he said i love you boys and uh of course i think i got the guys so yeah that and that'll do it yeah you know that that'll do it right Um, watching those players cry on the field it was it was something else right but Obviously, that means that uh, Hamlin is no longer intimated. Um, it, it's it's coupled with the fact that on Thursday he wrote on paper asking if the Bills won the game, 
which means he's totally got his wits about him. And that's what I was most worried about. Like, how long they performed CPR on him. Like, it was an actual eternity in, like, CPR time, right? And I was worried of how that was going to affect his, his his brain power, right? But it, it looks like all systems are go for, for DeMar Hamlin. And, and that's been the best news of the week. And so... His charity, that, that Chasing M's Foundation, it has received over, uh, last check, over $8 million in donations from across the world. And I saw an article uh, on Yahoo Sports. A Fanatics rep told them that his number three jersey is, quote, the top-selling jersey across all sports. And as you tune into the NFL this weekend, whether you're going to watch the Jets or not or watch the Giants or not in two games that don't matter in the standings for either of the two teams, um, there are going to be many, many tributes to him and his fighting spirit throughout the league this weekend. And it's going to start with a PA announcement if you're at a game, a PA announcement for him, for the first responders, and for the medical caregivers. Uh, all clubs have the option to outline the number three on each 30-yard line on the field in, a, in Bill's colors, whether that be blue or red. And all players will have an option to wear a special warm-up shirt dedicating, in dedication to him. And the Bills are going to be wearing, and I saw a picture of it. If you just I go on the Bills' Twitter, they posted a picture of it. But the Bills are going to be wearing like this circular number three patch on all of their jerseys, of course, in support of him. So the best news possible. What? Five, six days later now. I mean, remarkable. Just miraculous, really. So again, when I got here, I got here around, I got, there was no traffic tonight. I got here like 1240. <laughs> I rolled up, I parked, and I got here, and I climbed up to the roof once I got up to, to this floor. And I climbed up the, 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 to the roof, and I looked over, and I, I checked to make sure that the Steve Cohen signal, that, that the Carlos Correa signal was still plugged in. It was still lit over our Gotham City. Still no news, right? So Thursday, this has like been like a war through the media, right? So Thursday, Heyman reported Boris and Correa are in contact with at least one other team. Total Boris leak, right? So then the Mets kind of come back with, with Martino. And Friday at lunch, they deployed Martino with a leak of their own, I'm sure. And Martino reported... Over the last or over the past few days, the Mets have grown very frustrated with Correa negotiations and are now considering walking away altogether. And Boris could not be reached for comments. So, talk about using the media in a symbiotic relationship, huh? But again, I am going to rip a page right here out of the uh, the Aaron Rodgers playbook. He's a perfect fit. Relax. You should be glad. That the Mets owner is not jumping right into this headlong, head feet for whatever the expression is. I never get them right. But you know what I'm trying to say. But he, he that, that Steve Cohen is taking his time to input smart business provisions that would protect this long-term investment and benefit from it. Guess what? If Scott Boris is being this difficult, and maybe there is something to hide after all, then you just walk away from the deal while you still can now, there may be a grievance filed against him from the players' union saying that, you know, when he came out and said he's going to be a Met, I declare it. My words, not his, right? But you know what? No harm, no foul, mostly, right? It's just something that the Mets are going to have to figure out before the trade deadline. But you know what? I still think it's going to get done because it's in Carlos Correa's best interest to get it done with the Mets because now you've failed two physicals. 
out of the 30 teams in the league. Remember, the New York Mets have an ace in the hole. And it is the one player that Correa would move his position. He would move to third base to accommodate his best buddy, his best pal, his BFF, Francisco Lindor. And I know, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, I think, that Lindor was a huge recruiter to bring him here to begin with. So, be patient. It will get done. And... The longer this takes, the more you know it's going to get done to the Mets' liking. And that is something to be excited about. And the third mishmashy thing is the New York football giants. They are headed back to the playoffs. It was one of those, (laughs) in the history of the Giants, I was there moments, I felt like. And I was there at MetLife Stadium this past Sunday with my dad. You saw the picture, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. We were there when the Giants booked their tickets to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. That's the regular season, of course. And it was six years ago, almost to the day. It was the 8th of January, not the 7th of January, but the 8th of January, 2017, that the Giants... Yeah, I had to do the math real quick. I was like, 22, 17, it's only five. No, it's 2023 now. It's six years, right? The Giants lost on that day. Six years ago now. And it wasn't just a regular old loss. They got crushed by the Packers in Green Bay following that fateful boat trip. Not the Titanic's last voyage. No, the boat trip of all boat trips. And they got crushed in that wild card round. So it's been a long time coming, right? And there was a clip from the sideline of of Nick Gates in that game on Sunday Nick Gates and Daniel Jones. I don't know if you saw it. It's got thousands and thousands of views. But if you didn't, it's the two of them talking. I guess it was after Daniel Jones had come out for the the duration of the game, which was done too late in my opinion. And um, I guess the hot mic or whatever, it caught Nick Gates congratulating Daniel Jones, telling telling him all the hard work he's done is finally paying off. Something to that effect, right? And then this is is a direct quote. Daniel Jones responded with a smile on his face. He said, we've suffered long enough. And it's not just the players that have been suffering long enough. It's giant fans all over the country, but especially here in this area. It is the dawn of a new day in Giants Nation. And guess what? The aforementioned Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and whoever other Giants key players, whoever you want to name, Dexter Lawrence, they should not... See the field, sniff the turf this weekend, not one single snap. Can you imagine the phone calls on this radio station if, for example, this weekend, Daniel Jones gets sacked, sprains an ankle, has to miss four to six weeks? I mean, I don't even want to let, I know I opened with Hamlin, so I I mean, I don't want to let my mind go any farther than a, a sprained ankle. Boy, that ain't nothing to play with, right, Drake? But... You know where I'm going with this. So in a game that literally, literally means nothing to the Giants, zero, they cannot improve their seating, and they cannot fall in the playoff bracket. This game means nothing. And if one of them were to play and get hurt this weekend, I think this radio station would burn to the ground. So 
what's the latest? The latest I've seen is that Friday morning, Brian Dable reiterated that they are going to do, quote, what is best for the team. Well, to me, Danielle McCartan, that, that's an easy answer. This team is 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 done. Done for in the playoffs if they even begin. If if Jones and Barkley and, and, and Dexter Lawrence or any of these guys suffer an injury, they're done for. Over before it started. And, and, and for what? A better seat? Nope. The Giants are locked in at six. To prevent the worst seat? Nope. The Giants are still locked in at six. So I think there's an obvious choice here. And Art Stapleton a few days ago tweeted, this is a quote. He wrote, since I get from the Giants locker room and talking to those within the organization, they're going to do what's best for this team as it pertains to being ready for the playoffs. Intention is not to lay down versus Eagles, but not going to go full bore and risk their own chances. End quote from Art Stapleton. Yeah, that's right. They're not going to risk their own chances. So sit your, your, your most asset players on the bench. Everybody is hurting. I, I know Saquon Barkley has a nagging shoulder injury. I know Kayvon Thibodeau is hurting literally from head to toe. You, If you're the Giants, you have afforded yourself the opportunity to not be playing for your playoff lives this weekend. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Your priority needs to be to rest your players' bodies and to get them back in the mix, all juiced up, and all ready to go for wild card round. And, and save the health of the players because I think of it like... You play a video game, right? You're playing a video game, and that fatigue meter is over the, the the player's head. And this at this time of year, it's obviously not full for any player. Well, maybe Kenny Galladay it is, but but for any other player, it's obviously not full. So why would you further deplete that fatigue meter for a meaningless game on Sunday? Like, why wouldn't you want that meter to be as full as possible in round one of the playoffs? And I think of Daniel Jones especially because he's not this untouchable pocket passer, Tom Brady type, you know, breathe on him too hard, he gets the call. The way Daniel Jones plays, the physicality that he runs with, I mean, you're really just asking for something terrible to happen. I mean, if something terrible happens to Daniel Jones, it's a complete and utter catastrophe for the Giants' season over. And I know where I was sitting in Section 146 last week, I was just kind of eavesdropping to everyone around me asking each other in that game. Like, even during halftime, people were asking each other, is he coming back out? And then the third quarter became, what is he still doing in there? And it, there was a play that to me, and my, we looked at each other, me and my dad were like, uh-oh. I mean, it was the third quarter, about midway through. Jones got slammed to the turf on this design run, but before that even were, uh, happened, he, he hit the ground with his knee first. His knee jammed into the ground, and it was like a, for us, the two of us, anyway, it was like this this hold-your-breath kind of moment, and he ended up being fine, but it was just at that point, the game was over. It was unnecessary. It was unnecessary then at the moment and still now. So, you know, the Giants have a great backup quarterback. Let him get some reps. And I'll leave you with this before we get to calls or maybe have to go to break quickly first, but consider this. The Giants lost to the Eagles in Week 14. The final score was 48-22. Blown out. Giants got blown out in Week 14, which was not that long ago. And in that game, Philadelphia sacked Daniel Jones seven times. Okay, week 14. Okay. So, the Eagles' defense has had six or more sacks in five straight games. So, over the last five weeks, right, including that game, they have had six or more sacks. Why 
would you put Daniel Jones in that line of fire in a game that, again, does not impact the playoff standings for the Giants whatsoever? And one more thing. In my opinion, which is not an earth-shattering development, the road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Philadelphia. And I'm not going to accuse them of something. I'm not. But I will say, maybe to injure a key Giants player might help their own cause down the stretch. So I say keep the main guys on the sidelines on Sunday. 877-337-6666. Brian, should we do a call or go to break? What do you want to do? Break. Oh, he's giving me the break sign. Okay, so you guys hang there. I will get to you. It's As Chris McMonagle said before on my way in, it's the overnight. There's not many minutes of commercials, so hang right there. Um, and I also wanted to give a more local perspective on that DeMar Hamlin situation um, right here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City with some Sum 41 at 2.24 in the morning. It is me, Daniel McCartan. It is him, Brian McKeon, behind the glass and taking your calls. Again, I was talking about how my dad and I were at that Giants game, and uh, it was exciting. It was loud and LT. You know, we were sitting there in the seats, and, and you know, the, the Giants had just finished their introductions, and all of a sudden they had this little, it wasn't a tribute video. It was a video of, of LT, and I, I leaned over, and I said, Dad, I think he's here. And all of a sudden, LT came out of the t- And that is my dad's favorite player of all time. I mean, he loves Lawrence Taylor. So that was like a little extra treat there for, for the both of us. I mean, how cool was that? I mean, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there was uh, there was an instance in the game, though. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I mentioned him in the opening. And Kayvon Thibodeau sacked the quarterback, started doing snow angels, which is, which is a, a, a curious... Curious um, celebration, seeing as though we it was like 55 degrees and sunny, and, and it, we haven't seen really any snow so far this season. So I thought that was kind of curious. But uh, next to the, the, this injured, it was Foles, right? So he's he's doing these snow angels, and, and then he gets up, and he goes to the sideline, and he does like the Steph Curry like sleeping pose, right? And after the game, he, he had this ridiculous answer, and... You know, I wanted to believe him that he didn't see the quarterback on the ground next to him. I wanted to believe him or didn't hear him, you know, in pain or any of that. I wanted to believe him, right? And I almost did until I saw that the extra shot of him at the, on the sideline doing the Steph Curry sleeping pose. Then you know he saw him. So I can't get behind that. I love celebrations. I do. I, lo- I love a bad fl- oh, I love it makes it exciting. You know, it's a game within a game. It's like gamesmanship. You're getting in the head of the opponent. I, I love it. But that, an injured player and a guy that, that didn't come out, I mean, that, that came out and didn't go back in, I mean, that's 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 tough. And I again, I would have believed him. Could have believed him if he didn't go and do that second one on the sideline. 
So 877-337-6666. And I did also want to give a, a local perspective on this DeMar Hamlin situation um, because I, I am a coach and I have some papers in front of me that I did want to read to you uh, that, that gets handed out to the, to the young athletes. Uh, we'll call them that because that's what it says. It's a sudden cardiac death in young athletes forms um, from my school. So uh, we'll do that. And we'll, hey, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. We'll start in Bergen County. Now, I'm curious, Peter, what town in Bergen County? So, Danielle, I'm from Waldwick. Oh, okay. All right. I know. Of course I know Waldwick. Yeah. So, uh, first off, I want to agree with your your Hamlin point. Um, awesome that he's talking now to his teammates. I think that's incredible. It's a great story for the NFL. Um, I feel like really brought the community together. But yeah. my main calling point is for Thibodeau, exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I'm a little annoyed. I think... People are already trying to character assassinate him, kind of like OBJ. Like, it's a young star in this town, and people are already trying to push him out. I think as a pass rusher, you kind of need that that edge. Was it a bad look? A little bit, yes. I'll definitely admit that. A lot of it. Peter, a lot of it. I mean, the guy's writhing in pain, and he's doing snow angels next to him, which... Peter, believe me, I wanted to believe him that he didn't see him or whatever. I, I did believe him until I saw that extra thing of him you know, doing the sleeping on the sideline. I can't get behind that. So, so therefore, you know what you did. You, I'm not trying to yeah. run the guy out of town. He's supremely talented, right? I mean, my dad, we were just talking about LT. Yep. My dad texted me on that one play in, against the Commanders in Washington. My dad texted me. He's like, looks like LT on that play. He's a great player. I'm not trying to yep. run him out of anywhere. But yeah. he's a young player, and he needs to understand the difference there. Yeah, my hope is the new coaching staff with Dayball, Shane, as a GM. I I imagine they say something to him after that happens, but, I mean, like, he's our first guy since maybe JPP, Shrahan, Armstead, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these legendary giant pass rushers, mm-hmm. and he could be the next guy. He could and be. I just don't want people to character assassinate him and, you know, and bring him down and try to flush him out of town because of one moment. And hopefully the coaching staff now, you know, they teach him like, hey, Kayvon, you know, maybe, you know, have a little bit better judgment when this, this and this happens. But I, don't, I feel like I've, li- I've been listening to radio all week. I feel like everyone's ragging on this kid and it's one bad moment. So I just kind of want to hear what you had to say about it. Yeah. No, Peter, it, it, and, and thanks. Uh, hang up so you can hear the, the answer here. But uh, no, I, I think it's, it's a learning moment for sure. For sure. It, it cannot happen again. Maybe it's a mistake of a young player, possibly, potentially, right? Um, it, it cannot happen again. I, I'm willing to give him a second chance. I, I definitely am. I mean, the kid is supremely talented. He could be, like you said, the next best thing, right? So a slip up there, um, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I mean, everybody does, right? So I'm giving him another chance. I'm not running him out, out, out the door. No way. No way. No way. Avi in Long Island, you're up next here on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I, I have to disagree with you completely. Um, I, and, and also, you know, Thibodeau making that play, He when he got off the field, when he was on the field, he didn't know that the guy was hurt. He did When he got off the field, when he got off the field, he saw that he was hurt. And then he made, he made like a, like, oh, like a, he knocked him out like a dead impression, basically. Yeah, that, so, I can't get so behind that. that. Was like a little bit. 
Well, Avi, you, uh, you you said one of the key words that uh, that uh, you can't say on the radio. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, I guess where you were going was, what if he does play the villain role? I guess. I guess. Good luck to you. Uh, you know, but that's that's not the the culture that this Giants team is starting to set up. It's just not that that would not fit in that in that locker room. Maybe in past years it would have, but not this year. So, no, I, I cannot get behind it. I love the edge, you know. I, I love uh, all the celebrations, just not when there's a man down next to you because you did it to him. Simple as that. And Avi was making good points. Unfortunately, he said one of those keywords that you just cannot say. On the radio. Michael in Lake Mary, Florida. Keep it clean here, Michael. Thank you. Ah, what's up, Danielle? How are you? I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, Before I get to the Giants, I just want to give one little little note about uh, Hamlin. So, uh, very scary, probably the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was a really rough week, you know, thinking about how things were going, just kept, kept, uh, refreshing Twitter to see how he was doing. And it's so pleasant to see that he's making such great progress in just such a short period of time. So continue thoughts for him. Yeah. Uh, but local, uh, but certainly a big shout out to the, uh, the coverage, the ESPN crew for the way they handled this and uh, for the raw emotion of the situation, because no one was prepared to, to cover something like that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Really have to really have to say really took to heart. So fantastic really job. I mean, uh, in the in on the ground yeah. in the booth in in the, the studio. I yeah. mean, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. And even right and even right right to the booth and and just just the whole thing and even even the way the uh, the just the media covered this thing was was, was undeniably great. Yep. But thank goodness for him. He's he's hopefully going to be hopefully okay at the end of this thing, but just continue to pray for him. Yep. Uh, but as far as with the Giants, you know, going back to whether we should be playing these starters and all this, I, I have to tell you, I've been going back and forth with this <laughs> because, all, because the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, well, 2007, we didn't do that against New England. Yes. But it's a different team in a different time and a different situation. Here, the only, the, the blaring thing, and I agree with you 100%, is, is what's the benefit of playing all these guys there's nothing to really gain from it other than a possible injury that could really hurt us in the playoffs. Right. So um, I feel you don't want to just come in here totally. All right. Well, we're just not going to try in any way, but let's, let's, let's give our, we have other guys on the team. Let's give them some, let's give them some reps some time and, and you were at the game. You were at that game. You saw Jones still running at the end. I had that one hit that he took yeah. where the one you mentioned when he when he got kind of like the elbow to his to his head. And like, that, that one, like, okay, yeah, that one too. Yeah. yeah, could we like take him out now, please? I was like just saying that at the at, as I was at I was at my local Miller's Ale House. I told you I was going there for the game. Yeah, and I'm telling the guy next to me, could we just take this guy out now? We're up thirty eight to ten. It's yeah. time to take him out of the game. Mm-hmm. So. And we're familiar with this opponent, too. That's another thing. The Eagles, we, we know who they are. The yep. Patriots that time, we didn't know who they were at that time. We had to play them to see how we stacked up against them. So totally different situation there. But I agree. There's nothing to gain from this thing. Let's just get some of these backups, some rep time. But let's get the guys like Barkley, uh, 
trying to think. Thibodeau. Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Thibodeau. Dexter Lawrence. How about, how about even Ojolari is still not 100%. Yeah. How yeah. about Dory Jackson? Can he have another week with his, not running around with his knee? That would be nice if we could do that too. Yeah. Right? And uh, I just think there was somebody else that was also injured too a little bit. I can't think of. Well, Ojolari is downgraded to out for this, for this week for sure. Leonard Williams oh, yeah. is downgraded to out for Leonard this weekend Williams. for sure. He's out. Yeah. He was, he was the guy I thought of because when the report came back that he had the uh, the burner, I was like, nah, he needs to sit. There's no reason for him to play this game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, exciting time, get ready for the playoffs. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to get your other thoughts too. But um, but uh, other than that, uh, you have a great night. Yeah, okay? Michael, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call there. Right. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so uh, looking at the Giants injury report right now, Ojolari out. Did not practice all week. Leonard Williams out. Did not practice a single day this week. Good. And that's fine. And that's fine. And 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 uh you've got questionable for Feliciano. In Italian it's Feliciano. Uh Dexter Lawrence has got to, I guess a game time decision. Dory Jackson's listed as doubtful. And Xavier McKinney looks like he's a go. And that's one that I would I would want to play because he's got to get ramped up back to game speed. You know, about being out for so long with that injury, he's he's someone that I would like to see go. But the rest of them, there's no need. Bob in Haverstraw, you're up on a fan. How you doing? So um, the Thibodeau thing. You know, I heard that one caller say, you know, give him a break, and and um, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate and almost play both sides here. And, you know, each sport does things so differently. I read about the kid in the hockey is 14, 15 years old, really good. Um, and he's got to go around and say, sorry, sorry. And they start pulling contracts. I, I forget his name, and I forget the whole story, but I know he was saying some racist things when he was like 10, 11 years old, and he had some problems. But we, we have to be careful because it's almost like if the guy's really good, he could do whatever he wants, right, that, that kind of deal. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson beats his kid, give him a second chance. We, we, we can't, we have to, we can't just jump on and, uh, you know, take his back and say, hey, he's young, give him a break. I mean, we might have the next coming of Vontez Burfecht. So it's like, I, I want to kind of err on the side of caution instead of saying, let's just everybody relax, it's okay. I mean, the snow angel next to the guy sleeping, you know, and I know uh, DeMar's hit uh, or his situation was nothing to do with violence or, or mm-hmm. bad play, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But I mean, it's 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 something that you watch and you, you have to keep watching. But you don't sit there and keep watching, saying, "Hey, we just we, he's okay, everything's fine now." You have to have that kind of um, look at it, like, "No, we have to be careful here." Because um, I just don't like how the different sports do things, and then it's like if he's not a good player, you know, get him out of here. It's wrong, and if he's a good player, give him the second chance. Yeah, but but perfect. I mean, that guy was a dirty player. Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, it wasn't a dirty player. It was just about the the, the celebration. It wasn't about the. the yeah, well, it. so you're you're celebrating. You know, the guy sleeping, he's getting hurt. And I'm not saying he is. What I'm saying is, is this the start of somebody? No. You know, be, and I'm not saying like that. No. That's happening. I'm just saying that we can't sit back and say, you know, I, I'm I'm with him. You go easy on him. I don't want to be on the other side, the NHL, where it's like he can't sign in the NHL because when he was nine, he said something bad about somebody. I'm just saying that we just, uh, you know, uh, you know, you got to be down the middle. You can't you can't just be on one side of it. Well, Bob, I, down the middle is the guy screwed up. 
but give him a second chance. He screwed up. The guy was injured laying on the ground next to him, which, believe me, if he was looking up at the sky with his eyes closed and, and, okay, fine, you can give him the benefit of the doubt. He goes to the sideline and does that secondary thing. Then you're like, all right, you know what? He knows what he's doing. He is culpable. And he's not Vontez Perfect because Vontez Perfect was headhunting, and it was not a dirty hit at all. It was a celebration. No, I, I, yeah, but you're you're celebrating that's on the sidelines. Somebody going to sleep that he's getting hurt. So you have it in. He's not. He's not. Um, he doesn't have empathy for the guy. He's 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 happy that the guy's on the ground sleeping. I mean, you know. You, you, so in sports, you want to do what you want to do. But if you see the guy, your your brother, the NFL brother, you put him to sleep, and you're making fun of that. I mean, I would say that I would have to watch this guy because... Yeah, and then, so and Bob, and this is where good coaching comes in and takes him by the earlobes after the game and says, you exactly. can't do that. Exactly. I'm just talking about the fan who was like, all right, let's just give him a chance, give him a break. And we do need to give him a chance. We do need to give him a break. And the coach is at the coach and all that stuff. I'm just saying that it can't be, okay, everything's... It, it has to come with more kind of... You know, the white glove kind of thing, meaning like you just have to, you know, feel it out and touchy-feely. It's it's not a situation where I, I see it and it's like, just give him the benefit of the doubt. No, Bob, okay? hey, Bob, we're not doing that here. We're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. There's God, there needs to be, and I'm sure there was. Because Brian Dable is, a, as far as I can see, a really good coach. And he doesn't take a lot of crap. I'm sure there was a kind. And if he didn't do it, then one of those captains on that team took him aside. Excuse me, took him aside in that locker room and said, "You can't do that. Not when there's a player injured. He is. Do not compare him to Vontez. Perfect is it was it was it's awful. An awful human being. Awful. Might have, might have really screwed up Antonio Brown for the rest of his life. Awful." That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a celebration that was a terrible look. That's it. That happened a week ago, by the way. A week ago. And we'll talk some more. Uh, Damar Hamlin, I just wanted to, to give a little perspective on this as well. Uh, my name is Danielle McCartan, and of course, taking your calls at 877-337-6666. It's your turn to cause trouble. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. I'm with you uh, till five. I always want to say six, but that's usually my time stop. But I'm here till five, so we've got oh my god, only two more hours to go. You got to get in eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I see you on hold. I just wanted to make this point because I, I, I coach. I think I have a little different perspective here. I coach young athletes, and I looked at that Demar Hamlin injury through you know later in the week through like a different lens because. Now the Bills trainer, Dan, his name is Danny Kellington. He's been getting a lot of praise over the past, you know, Friday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, I mean he, his his life saving resuscitation, his defibrillation efforts, quite frankly, literally saved a life. I mean, and I know he wasn't the only one. He was not the only person doing chest compressions for nine minutes. I mean, have you ever done it for what did they test you on three? I mean, it's a lot especially through that chest piece in the shoulder pads, unless, of course, they were able to cut through them. So, I, you know, D- Danny Kelton, congratulations to you. You did a fantastic job. Your training paid off. I would love to know the names of the other people because it's it's a team effort, 
um, if you've ever been in that situation, and I have not, I've only done it on one of those dummies, but um, it, it's 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 a lot, and it, it got me thinking about these forms. I I, I I don't ever remember signing off on these forms when I played, and it wasn't that long ago, but they've got this. I have in my hands the State of New Jersey Department of Education. It's called a sudden cardiac death pamphlet sign-off sheet. Name a school district, name it a local school. We acknowledge that we received and reviewed the sudden cardiac death in young athletes pamphlet. Student signature, parent signature, and date. This is from the Department of Education, and it's dated the year 2014. Pursuant to the Scholastic Student Athlete Safety Act, PL, blah, blah, blah. 2013, it looks like it was adopted. So... You know, I went to the nurse. I went to the nurse at school, and I was like, you know what? This is going to come up on the show this weekend, and, and can you give me a little bit of an education about this? So she said, yeah, yeah, give me, here's the sheet. Here's the pamphlet. This is what I give out to the kids. And I was like, okay. Um, and this is just, and the pamphlet is now in my hands here. It's called Sudden Cardiac Death in Young Athletes. And I think, I think she said she put this one together. But it's got the seal of the state of New Jersey Department of Education, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Heart Association, all stamped on here. And it's like, what are there warning signs? Like, what are the recommendations for screenings? Um, can it be prevented? You know, when should a student see? So uh, why have an AED on site during sporting events? And it's, it's law. It's a law. It says, uh, you know, Janet's law requires that any school-sponsored athletic event or team practice in New Jersey, public and non-public schools, including any grades K through 12, the following must be available. An AED in an unlocked location on school property within a reasonable proximity to the athletic field or gym. And a team coach, licensed athletic trainer, or other designed or designated staff member, if there is no coach or licensed you know, trainer present, uh, certified in cardiopulmonary resuscitation, which is CPR, and the use of AED. And it, you also need a state-certified emergency services provider or other certified uh, first responder. This is all any school-related thing in the state of New Jersey. That's what I have. So I, me, personally, I'm trained in CPR. Uh, I know how to save severed fingers. I know how to save a, a tooth that was knocked out. Uh, I know how to use that AED machine myself. And I am always aware, very hyper aware, of where they are inside the school building and outside on the field. And obviously you never want to use it, and I have never. But, um, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know... Uh, let me get on the soapbox. You should be trained for it. You should, you know, it kicks in anywhere. I was at the Backstreet Boys concert over the summer this year, and there was a lady having a heat stroke right there, a couple rows in front of me. You know, I was the only person who jumped in. I was the only person that jumped in to help that lady. Why? Because I would expect someone to do it for me. So, and the Backstreet Boys, they stopped the show at one point. It was this whole thing, but, you know, right place, right time, right training. If everybody's trained you know, we could save more lives, okay? So let me get down off the soapbox now. And then, uh, of course, we have to talk about playoff scenarios and the PhD that you need to uh, to dissect the whole thing. I mean, oh, did you read that tweet from Ian Rappaport? Did you read it from Thursday night? Mike, I mean, actually, you need a PhD. And I will say this. I've, I do feel bad for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, all week, we commended the, the, them, their coach, for ultimately agreeing to put a stop to that game and an amicable stop to that game and they end up getting screwed. 877-337-6666. I guess nice guys do finish last. Uh, Bob and Bayside, you're up on the fan, Bob. 
Danielle, I agree with you completely about the sleeping gesture, but let me move on to something sure. else. All week long, I've been hearing the following line from TV people and radio. Who would have believed that the Giants would have a year like this? Well, I'll tell you three people who would have. Paul Dettino, who's with the Giants every day, mm-hmm. predicted they'd have nine wins. Danielle McGarten, who said the Giants would have a good year and, Dan, and, and Daniel Jones would have a good year. Yep. Unlike all these other hosts who said he stunk. Nope. And me, who bet a good bet on the Giants to win more than seven and a half on the overrun. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been hearing all week, who would have ever thought they'd have this kind of year? You always said Daniel Jones had all the tools. Yes. And with a better coaching staff and a better OC, who's not Jason Garrett, and a little bit of better offensive line, that you'd finally see Daniel Jones. You predicted it. Yes. I always believed in him. I think of it, Bob, and I put the coach hat back on. He has all of the things you want in an NFL quarterback. He has three systems. He has overcome all of the adversity, this man, this, this Daniel Jones. And, and, and you know what? And, and, and he deserves it. He deserves all the accolades he's getting right now, and he, he deserves the contract that's coming to yeah. him, whether it be with the Giants or elsewhere. All right, before I go, can I give you one statistic about Daniel Jones? Tell me. Everybody's saying this final game, well, it was the Indianapolis Colts. They stink. They mailed it in. Mm-hmm. I want to give you a five-game sample, the final five games uh, uh, up to this point. Sure. Going into December, when, when, when it's crunch time, you know, everybody's making a playoff mm-hmm. point, a push. In the five games, the last five games, Daniel Jones leads the NFL out of 32 quarterbacks in completion percentage. <laughs> in, the, in those five games, he has a 73% completion percentage. Yes, he does. And that's number one in football. More than Burrow, more than Mahomes, more than Josh Allen, more than uh, Rogers, more. Number one is Daniel Jones. And in a five-game sample, that's not one game against a bad team. Yep. And, and those games, it's for everybody wondering, those games are, it's Washington, it's Philadelphia, it's Washington again, it's in Minnesota, and it's Indy. And it was crunch time for the playoff run. Yep. Well, yep. people don't realize how good this man is. I know. Me. I know. And, and, and about, they were running, they were ready to run him out of town. And it's like, no, just, just step back and look. Like, don't t- fall into the hot take central over there. Horrible. Yeah. One last thing, Daniel. Yeah. There's an old expression: the quarterback's best friend is a good running game. Yeah. Of course, then the uh, then the defensive line concentrates on the run. You do play action. And last year, Barkley wasn't healthy, and this year he is. So, I mean, last year the, the defensive linemen were in on Daniel Jones in a, in a second and a half. Yep. The offensive line is better, and when you got and Jason Garrett, well, had no imagination, no creativity. None. And uh, you're seeing the real Daniel Jones now. You, and you predicted it, and I predicted it. Yep, and Bobby, I, you know what else, too? Get him a good wide receiver or two, and you'll see how good he can be. I know. Yep. I, I would bring Odell back, by the way. That's what I said. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. You said that? I, I did. I heard you know. Yeah, I said the same thing. Yeah, and, and by the way... Uh, they could play right with Minnesota, right with these teams. They proved it going to Minnesota and losing in the last second on a 61. On a hit, Vikings history-making field goal they took to beat the Giants in Minnesota. You're yep. doing a great job, Daniel. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thanks right. for the call. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to add on to what he just said. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. Uh, you know, that sample of Daniel Jones, he was right on the money. He did his homework. I love when you come and you do your homework to the show. I love it. Okay? So, Daniel Jones also... Maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. 
he has had the highest quarterback rating this season, A, of his career, and B, think of the Burroughs and the Allens and the Bradys and the Rodgers and whoever, whoever, whatever quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL this year, think of one of them, the best one. Daniel Jones has the single-game highest quarterback rating among any of them in any game they've ever played this season. The maximum, the highest you can get, is a 158.3. Daniel Jones, 153.3. He was five points off from a perfect passer rating against the Texans. Which, by the way, I was at that game too. So you know what? He's had a fantastic game against the Texans, a great game against the Colts. Maybe the secret is me being there. So I, I might have to book a ticket to hopefully Minnesota. I think that might be it. I think so. I mean, he's my principal. My principal, he's an Eagles fan. So I don't think that's going to work for us, for me. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, let's go to Douglas in the Bronx. You're up next here on The Fan, Douglas. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. How are and, you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, may I call you Speaker of the WFAN House? I know. I see, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> McCarthy, McCartan, you had all kinds of puns going on there. And also... Uh, is it, what's the the speaker called in in uh, in uh, what was Misha Dade on a big, a big what's it called? What's the show she was on? Big Brother. Big Brother, yes. Isn't Brother, it a Big speaker Brother. of the house too? Right, speaker. Head of household. Head of head household. Of the house. Oh, okay. Nah. Never mind. <laughs> you you are the head of the WFN household, right? Yes, now. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> There's a mine. Yeah. So uh, uh, I got a football note, but one quick thing: How vital is Jalen Brunson oh, on the New York Knicks? What a pickup. Um, they actually have a legitimate point guard, and reaping the benefits is this Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, in the MSG post game, they had Monica McNutt, who I, I, I enjoy watching on the, uh, after these Nick games. But uh-huh. she she brought up a great point. They were up sixteen with three minutes to go. If they didn't have Jalen Brunson, that's the game they lose. I mean, that game yeah. you would lose in a in, in a bad year, especially last year. Yep. But they, I mean, I mean, they lost the lead, but they but he salvaged it. He kept them afloat. So I mean. Without Brunson, yeah, they would whatever uh, bad streak they had, it would have been extended uh, without him. Uh, they're gonna, he's gonna keep the team afloat, uh, borderline playoff team, not in the top ranks of the East, but they'll be in the mix. So they'll be in the mix. Yeah, and Brunson, what a pickup, man! What a Pretty pickup. pickup. Yeah. They'll, they'll deal with the penalty, right? They, they, they had to give up a draft pick in the future, but they'll deal with it. You yeah, know, such, they'll he's, be all right. he's, he's, Yeah. <laughs> That's far in the future, but he's he's doing good for the Knicks now. So with the NFL, um, uh, piggybacking on your uh, Hamlin notes, and um, you know two things I thought of. First, uh, there was a famous college basketball player around the time you were born. His name was Hank Gathers, and and unfortunately he was known because he passed away Mm. on a basketball court. They didn't have those emergency defibrillators at the time. So I mean. So I'm thinking, you know, this is his legacy, you know, because oh, you know, that was such a huge sports story back then. Mm-hmm. But now they have that. And thank God for that that uh, that device and especially the medical personnel. They were tremendous. I'm sure they're going to get honored uh, in the coming this coming weekend. They deserve but, um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but the other thing I thought of, which was more negative, you know, this, you know, the NFL safety, it's now, it's really, it's always a question mark, but really put, got thrust in it this week because you're thinking, you know, they, 
they extended the regular season to 17 games. Mm-hmm. Going to go to 18. Um, what happened to this overhead monitor for concussions? It didn't stop Tua from getting another one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 in terms of um, uh, and although I'm not shedding a tear for the Dallas Cowboys because <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, do you realize they've had two short weeks in the season? They had, of course, Thanksgiving week. They played two games in five days. And then last week, they had Thursday Night Football after a weekend matchup huh. uh, last week of December. Yeah. I mean, they went 4-0, but, I mean, uh, short weeks, uh, I mean, that Thursday Night Football is, uh, that to me, uh, those games are usually not good anyway, as you saw with the Jets uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago in person. But, I mean, these short weeks, I can't stand them. If I ran the NFL, <laughs> I'd have the teams on Thursday have the week by the Sunday before, but I mean that's many. But yeah. uh, I don't, it, yeah, it makes these, sense. I mean, just think about the wear and tear on the body. Never mind the turnaround on trying the, the mental part of it to get it, install a new game plan in three days. You know, it's it's a lot. Yeah, and and the short weeks didn't help the New York teams at all. The the Giants went all into in Thanksgiving week. The Jets went all into. <laughs> so please, I, I I'm one of these short weeks anyway. And speaking of Thanksgiving, I was thinking about. Um, I think uh, shifting just to the Giants. You remember how they kept a lot of key players out of that Dallas Cowboy game? I think we might see a similar thing heading into this Sunday where, and you already mentioned some of the guys that are not practicing with the Giants, mm-hmm. Dexter Lawrence, and I mean, Leonard Williams. Uh, I think we might see a, like, they'll play, but I, I don't think they'll give up on the game, but I don't know if they'll go full throttle on Sunday. The Giants, I mean. Yeah. They, I don't think they'll go full throttle on Sunday in Philly. Yeah, so... And I, I, I don't think that's the case for them. Um, one more, one more note, because I know you're a teacher, <laughs> a mm-hmm. teacher by trade throughout the week. All right. Now, two years, we've seen Robert Sala as Jets coach. Now, technically, I guess we have to give him an incomplete, but if you had to give a letter grade to Sala, what would you give him at this point? Robert Sala, I would give him. I'm a tough grader. I am notoriously mm. a tough grader. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I would give him a B, I would think. Wow. B minus. Yeah, I, I, I'm more yeah, in the C range. I mean, certainly, you know, F is Adam Gase territory. D yeah, would no. be Todd Bowles. But I say C, um, maybe I can just C plus because the team likes them. But I just, the way they bungled this last month, I uh, that was very uh, devastating for, for the Jets fan. But um, still a work in progress. And he's, that's certainly room to improve, but I'm more in the C range. Yeah, so. he would, and, and Douglas, thanks for the call. we got to run to the update here. But he would he would obviously go up in my grade book if he lets go of LaFleur. They're buddies. He's got to break it. He's got to do it. All right, we got Marco with an update coming up, and I'll be right back on the other side. My name is Daniel McCartan with you till 5 here on The Fan. Daniel McCartan. The phone number to get aboard is 877-337-6666. I want to give you my Giants prediction right here at the top of the 3 a.m. hour. This will be quick. I promise you. You know, the Giants are not playing for anything. I don't know if that's breaking news, but the Giants are not playing for anything. They cannot move up a seed. They cannot move down a seed. But the Eagles are. And with a win over the Giants, they're going to clinch the division. They're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. And Dallas has a path. To win the division, if the Eagles lose and they and the Cowboys win, Dallas wins the division. So, 
I don't know. And, and if by the way, just for the note, if, if both Philly and Dallas lose, Philly still wins a division. So who cares? Right? Who cares? Worry about the Giants. So without Jalen Hurts over the past two weeks, I mean, the Eagles have lo- lost both games. So Hurts is a main part of of their of their well, what they're trying to do over there, right? So everything I'm reading and seeing says that Jalen Hurts is trending that he's going to make his his first start. He was, let's see, limited. He was full. Yeah, maybe he makes a maybe he makes a return in this giant game. Eagles coach Nick Sirianni says it's trending in the right direction for Jalen Hurts to start Sunday against the Giants. This was uh, Friday at 11 a.m. We feel good about it, but we got to see how Friday goes. I guess this was before practice. He looks sharp. He's still crazy. So I I think Hurts will be back. But you know what? Who cares? Who cares? He was taking first-team reps at practice all week. Remember when... People, are, I see this narrative. Oh, the Giants are going to do a uh, spoiler alert. They're going to play. Uh, they're going to play. What's that word? Forget the term. But oh, what's the term? Oh, redemption. The Giants are going to have like this redemption against the Eagles. Okay, remember when the Eagles pulled Hurts, put in Sudfeld, lost the game to Washington to keep the Giants out of playoffs. I know. I was here. I was here when it happened. So everybody's like, oh, when the Giants return the favor this week, keeping their starters in, win the game, spoiler number one seed, the bye week, everything for the Eagles. I mean, come on. Really? This is not the time for revenge. Not. So, I think the Giants should ride off into the playoffs as a healed, as a healthy bunch. This game does not matter at all. So, that's all you really need to know about this game. I hope I'm wrong. I I always want our teams to win here. Giants, Jets, anybody. But, I'm going to go Philadelphia Eagles 31 in the return of of Jalen Hurts. New York Giants 16. Eagles 31, Giants 16. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. But... Whereas the Giants are at a part where they should be resting their players and the Eagles are not at that point, I think that's that's where you get this lopsided score from. And my model predicted a lot closer, but um, this is where I'm going with, based on my knowledge here. All right, 877-337-6666. Uh, Stewart in Brooklyn, you're up next here on The Fan, Stewart. Morning, Coach. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. The Giants, you're right. They should rest their players. And uh, they, they have to go in as a healthy bunch into the playoffs. And maybe they can make some sort of run, maybe win a game. And that would be considered a successful season. But, Stuart, I think they were already there. I, oh, people did not expect the Giants no, to make no, the playoffs. I think they're no, already there. They were, we, I thought they would be lucky to win six games. Yep. I, I think well, I forgot. Won I think nine I said seven. shows me one thing. Yep. Two people should be lauded for this. I'm getting a try. I'm not going to get us out of Dave Gettleman hell. Mm. Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Brian Dable has coached the hell out of, out of nothing. Yep. What he had was absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. The only thing he had are two people: Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones deserves the contract because, and if you give, like you just said, give him some receiving weapons, yep. then you'll see what he does. The guy has talent. He just was miscoached. Every coach he had didn't handle him properly. Yep. And Brian Dable has handled him properly. And you see Brian Dable week after week 
going up. They send the questions answering, unlike other people that they've had, Joe Judge, Pat Sherma, and whoever else you want to put up there. And uh, my thoughts and prayers still go out to DeMar Hamlin. I saw the, I didn't see the game. I, will, I saw the replay, and I said, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I said, he, I was praying he wasn't going to. I was just praying he survived. And thank God he's making progress. And my prayers and thoughts go out to his family because that man, oh, my God. And you know what everybody said this and this. He got hit in the right spot, unfortunately. They, when he got hit, he got hit in the right spot. And that's why it, that happened. Because he jumped right up and then fell right back down. Yep. Thank God for those medical EMS workers, yep. the people at the stadium. So if they weren't there, we'd be having a whole different conversation. Yep. And and, and, uh, and, and not the technology being there either, Stuart. The AED machine. No, I, I call it the AED machine. But the uh, I mean, without that, I mean, you heard the story before. He, he likely would have, he would have died right there on the field. And everybody would have watched it. Terrible. I'm so happy that the training kicked in. You know, you do these things and you always say, you know, you, know, you, you do the CPR drills and, you know, you take it as seriously as you can on a dummy, right? And the whole thing. But you hope, you say to each other, well, I hope we never have to use this. And then you walk out the door. Like I, the tur- putting on a tourniquet. I know how to do that. That's part of teacher training. <laughs> we had a whole thing about that. It, it's, we, we know how to do a lot of things. And I always joke that if I wasn't a teacher, I could be a nurse probably. I could be a doctor with what I know. But you always hope that you never have to to use it. And those guys, they did use it. And because they were they were so well trained, so well drilled, a life has been saved. Or a death has been prevented. Either way you look at it. Matt and Marilyn, you're up next here on The Fan. Hi. Good Hi. morning. You know, um, Salah. Behavior, professional leadership. Mm-hmm. I had to give him when since he was giving out grade D. The thing with Mike White, when the team had uh, wore the T-shirts, he, it was his responsibility to set that down. Yes, that, I agree with you on that one. That that became a, a three ring circus. And if you're Zach Wilson in that locker room, that would hurt my feelings. That that, that would be hurtful. Up. Yep. Yeah, you lost them right there. If anything that lost him, it was that T-shirt. Yep. You know? Yeah, I do. And, yeah. Then, and then getting back to Mike White, when he got hit in that game against Buffalo by that linebacker, mm-hmm. and when he was on the floor cry, basically crying, it, sounded, it looked like, from, you know, I'm watching on TV. Now I'm going to give him the benefit that he probably can't see him on the floor at that time. But when he kept going back and forth into the locker room, yes. And then once they say fresh hit ribs, okay, you know what? At a certain point, you, the coach can't overrule the doctor. That sounds like he's okay. He's good to go. No, 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 no. hold on. He's still in pain. You know what? Yeah, out. Uh-uh. You know what, though, Matt? Here's the problem with that, and this is why Robert Sala didn't do that because the Jets were were in a position to. Uh, make a you know, maybe make the playoffs in that game, and who gives you the best chance to make the playoffs? Mike Mike yeah, White with five ri- you know five ribs injured, or or anybody else on that roster? The answer was loud and clear. He, and unfortunately, he, he picked but, Mike White with five injured ribs, broken ribs. 
Well, even this is even before, but at a certain point, you got to look at what your eyes see. And if you, you observe this guy, there's so much pain on the field, coming in and out of the game, in that yeah. Buffalo game, multiple times. Yeah. At, at a certain point, you have to make a decision for his best. You, gotta, you know what they say? Save him from himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. You know what? This is too much. You know? And then where did it just get these doctors from? That this guy's been going around with five broken ribs? Like, this is just as bad. I don't know if this is, which is worse, the sewer incident earlier in the year or the five broken ribs that they can't read an x-ray. Well, you know? I'll tell you, I, I went to one of the Jets doctors. I know one of those Jets doctors, and I went to one. Uh, well. Yeah, I know, I know him personally. I mean, his kid was on my volleyball team. I know one of them personally. Uh, it's a team. Well, he, I, got some, he got some explaining to do because I'm like, five broken ribs? Yeah. Not one broken rib, five. Mm-hmm. Like, half your, half your body is broken. This man was out there. This could have been a disaster. It could have been. Thank God it wasn't as worse than what it was. It yeah. could have been a big disaster. It could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so. And, 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 and the other thing, too, Matt, and thanks for the call there. The other thing, too, is if you look at a, a, an injured player, right, and you say to yourself, as a coach, right, you say to yourself, all right, so I've got Mike White and he's severely injured, right, and, and compromised because of it, okay? At what point does me, the coach, putting him out there to play, at what point does it hinder our team's chance of winning? Uh, the answer was obvious. I mean, this kid's playing for a contract. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. He's playing for a contract. He wants to show how tough he is. I mean, he wants to be out there. You got Robert Sala out there that, that, that needs him to be out there because he's their best chance to make the playoffs because – this whole Zach Wilson thing is going to blow up in their faces soon enough, very soon, Salah and Douglas, that is. And if you make the playoffs, oh, you know what? It smooths everything over a little bit. Oh, you know what? You made the playoffs. We'll figure out the quarterback situation. No, now it's week 18. You're playing for nothing, literally nothing. You're in Miami, the party capital of the world. What kind of team is going to show up at this game? Are they going to be out all night the night before partying? You know, so that's, to me, I, that's what I'm watching for. How motivated does Robert Sala have these players to play in that meaningless Week 18 game? But as far as the doctors, I don't know, and, and I'm not going to ask. I mean, I, I know one of them personally, and I'm not going to ask about the situation. I'm just not. And uh, I will tell you that he was a second opinion. Uh, I went for to him for a second opinion on my knee. Remember, I, I hurt my knee in the, my summer softball league. I went to the one guy, awful, went to him. It's been better. And he, he diagnosed it, so I, I don't really know. I have no idea. I know it's a team. I know he's not there every day. So I don't know. That's all I, that's all I can tell you. That's it. Jesse in San Jose, California. What's up, Jesse? Danielle, good to talk to you. Happy New Year. Me too, thanks. And all the best in 2023. It's been a while since we've uh, spoken in person. So. I know, yeah. I, I, I hope all is well with you and the fam. Oh, yes, and you too. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, you're welcome. I'm calling just to talk about uh, the Giants' chances of beating the Eagles in a meaningless game for the Giants, but a very meaningful game for Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and the possibility that the 49ers end up with the number one seed. Um, I think the likelihood that, that the Eagles are going to beat the Giants is, is, is great. 
yeah, I, I think it's going to be a blowout game, actually. I, you know what? And if I were the Giants, I wouldn't care. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter at all to me. Do, do you think? Do you think it matters in the uh, in the Tom Coughlin uh, mentality? Uh, what they did back in '07, I think it was. Yeah. When they played that last game against the Patriots, even though it was meaningless but they played to win. Do you think it matters in that regard? You know, it, de- it depends. And, and I'm reading that Tom Coughlin book right now, and I'm, I've been emailing with someone to, to get him on my show for, for now months. It's been since, I think, the end of October I've been trying to do this and get this together. So I've been reading this book very intently is what I'm trying to say. And you mm-hmm. know what? Yeah, maybe it does. But Maybe it motivates these guys. But you know what? I think this is a new age. You know, I think this is a new type of player that... Um, and I know 2007 wasn't that long ago, but it kind of is. So I think the new age of player is like, you know what? No, I need to take care of my mind, my body, and be right for this playoff run. It doesn't. It's not going to affect us any way, shape, or form. So we're going to be at six no matter what we do. Why risk the injury? Why? Okay. All right. So I, 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 I buy. I, I buy that as well. Yeah, I buy that as well too. It is. I mean, to, to me, 2007 isn't that long ago. But I guess you know, when you're a 25 year old, that's that's forever. Yeah. Right. Uh, 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 so the Giants right now that looks like they could go to uh, Minneapolis yep. to play the Vikings, which I which I do think they win that game because yep. they, quite honestly, they should have won the last game. Yep. I mean, if they if they tackle somebody, you know, what's his name, uh, Jeff, Jefferson, you know, two yards sooner. That kick doesn't make it. So mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm hoping for a Giants. Uh, this is redemption. Now, that would be redemption because the Vikings have won, I think it's five games uh, this year uh, where they have trailed and come back. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Raiders. No, sorry. I think well, the Vikings, they're, they're like, how many, however many wins they have, it's like all but two yeah. of their wins have come in one scoring games. In one scoring games. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was quoting the, the Raiders. To me, that's uh, luck. My, my apologies. Je- to Jesse, yeah, to me, saying. that's yeah, luck. They, Exactly. They're not a good team. They're an extremely lucky team, and luck runs out. And I think it runs out in the playoffs and hopefully against the Giants. Yeah, hopefully. And you got and you got the uh, Jets almost beat him. Mike White hit Braxton Berrios right in the numbers. And he dropped and, the ball. And, and, and exactly. And that's, you know, I was listening to somebody else on, on some sports station. I don't remember if it was a fan or not. But they were trying to say, well, you know, Mike White didn't lead them to victory. Like, well. All he can do is hit the guy <laughs> in the end zone with a touchdown, you know, a game-winning pass. Yeah. That's all he can do. He that's can't a, catch it, too. That's a lazy, stupid take. That ball was right between the one and the zero, and right Barrios there. dropped it. Right there where it can't get knocked down, where you can't get intercepted. It was right there. And yep. the receiver has to know it's going to be in that position yep. to, to avoid any kind of interception. Anyway, um... Uh, what, what's the last thing I want to talk about? Uh, well, I, don't know, I, I guess that's it. But I, I just, you know, I just wanted to touch base with you. I know we we talk uh, offline a little bit, and I just want to call in and, and say, uh, hope you have a great new year. We got we got a lot of rain out here in California. I saw. So, uh, Are you okay? Are yeah. You okay? Well, it's okay where I am, but if you're you like up in the North Bay, which is Marin and Sonoma counties, if you're at the coast, like Santa Cruz, that area. As a matter of fact, um, I was in Capitola yesterday, and it just got they just got slammed. The ocean came in and took out. About nine uh, beachfront restaurants just, wow. just, just devastated. So, wow. yeah. and there was a two-year-old that was killed up in the North Bay. So it's kind of that was kind of sad. A tree fell on the house. Oh, I saw that Even. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All so, right, well, so pray, stay pray safe. That family. Yeah. All right. Good talking to you, Danielle. Hey, thanks for calling, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Ciao. All right. So here's the thing. 
it's all said and done. The playoff picture is set. The Jets, I, in my opinion, exceeded expectations this year, regardless of the quarterback thing. And at least the entire football community knows that they are a quarterback away from really going for it. But before we get into any of that, I've got my trusty trumpet right here in my hands. You know what that means. With the news that there will not be a team added to the playoff mix this year, the New York Jets are officially, mathematically, eliminated from playoff contention. So let's send them to the offseason in the most honorable way that I, Danielle McCartan, know how, and that is next, right here on The Fan. morning here on this Saturday morning here in New York City and uh, per Adam Schefter late Thursday night the NFL this is a quote from him the NFL never considered an eighth playoff team being added to each conference so with that uh, the Jets are officially eliminated from any playoff contention you know it took until a week 17 game to do it this year Ms. Roll want to add that but the New York Jets they are finally officially, mathematically eliminated from playoff contention in this 2022 season. Just end the season. J-E-T-S. After it suffered a very slow death in Seattle. And when it's all said and done, I think, ultimately, I think the Jets exceeded expectations. Um, they, Like I said, just a couple seconds ago, they are a quarterback away for really making a run. So... Congratulations to the Jets for exceeding expectations despite the quarterback revolving door, high-speed revolving door, that is. And before we get into that discussion, which will be in a few seconds, uh, I do believe that the Jets exceeded expectations, yes. Um, But before we do that, of course, my name is Daniel McCartan, and I uh, got my trumpet in my hands. I did two or three scales and one run through a taps on the commercial break. Uh, haven't picked it up since the last team that was eliminated, whoever that was. I think who, uh, Yankees, was it? Uh, but this is the way we do it here. I'm going to send the Jets to their offseason in the most respectable, the most honorable way that I know how. So I've compiled a couple audio samples from a couple Jets uh, after that game in Seattle. Ty Johnson leads it off with Janae Coke. This is all courtesy of SNY. Jay Coakley and Ty Johnson, it made me laugh out loud, so I had to include that one first. Then I had, uh, who was next? I forget the next voice. Uh, then it was Garrett Wilson, and it was Carl Lawson. Oh, it was uh, Tyler Conklin was the second one. So it's you'll hear Ty Johnson with um, Janae Coakley, then you'll hear Tyler Conklin, and then you'll hear Garrett Wilson, and then you will hear, uh, at the end, Carl Lawson. So I made that at lunchtime today. I ate lunch in my classroom. And without any further ado... Brian, hit it. So the first question is, what happened today? The bed. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we made mistakes, and when you make mistakes in this league, it's a, a playoff type of game. You know, the bed that. No one's happy about it. I, mean, I, feel, you know, I feel for the fans. I feel for you know, everybody. Um, but you know, we wanted this too. We just didn't play well enough to, to make it happen, and it hurts. It sucks. We feel like we we are. Uh, you know, we want to chase at the playoffs, and, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that, that you know, this 
motions are. Congratulations to the New York Jets on that 2022 season. Exceeding expectations. And uh, all right, let me uh, pack my trumpet back in for the next time. One of our teams gets eliminated. Hopefully it won't be the Giants until February. We'll see about that. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. Ben in Queens is up next here on The Fan. What's up, Ben? I have to follow that. Anyway, anyway, uh, before I get to that, just a public plea. If you have to, have to, if you have the resources to learn CPR, yes. Or let me throw this in: the Heimlich maneuver. Oh, I forgot that one. Yes. Learn them. I will tell you, as a youngster, when I entered the military, I I openly, openly was was disagreeing with my drill sergeant about I don't need to learn this. But going to be firing a weapon. I don't, I don't need to learn this. Mm. Two months later, Chow Hall had a combination of both happen. No. Yeah. What happened? A guy went down the wrong pipe, and as he's choking, he, 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 uh, he started to panic, and in the panic went right into cardiac arrest. Whoa. So we had to clear the blockage from the throat first and then go right into CPR. Wow. And that you have to do the night, sweep motion, right, with the hand, too? Exactly. Yeah. That night, went walked right into my drill sergeant's office, went, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm going to shut up, let me learn this better. Enough said. Wow. So to the first responders and the Philly uh, tra- physical training staff, Hats off to y'all. Yeah. You guys saved that kid's life. Enough said. Wow. All right. Now on to more frivolous matters. A, NFL, you're suckers. There's no reason to play this in a neutral site. Treat it as a tie. Yeah. Reason why I say that is that, okay, then guess what? You got head-to-head records and all of that. You could still play it on the, all of a sudden, oh, oh. We got a chance to make make our money back in spades. Let's go to a neutral site game. What? No. Hush. You could. The rules don't need to change on that. And yes, yeah, I don't I like that. You. Yeah, I agree with you. Since he got screwed, <laughs> anyway. so bad, and like you feel bad for them, right? Like they they they. Uh, what the AFC Championship? Like like you said, neutral site. That that's kind of like a long shot. There's like three scenarios when that could happen. I mean. The Bengals, of course, they won the AFC North. Fine. But get the, so if it ends up – here's another way. That, so how do I explain this? If it ends up that they, the number three seed – number they won the division, right? End up with the three seed. They end up playing the Ravens, a number six seed, who came in second to them in the division. The home team is going to be decided by a coin flip. That's just not fair. I mean, that's not fair. And, and it, it's, it's not far-fetched. For that to happen, all, all for that needs to happen is a Bengals loss to the Ravens. And, and a yeah. coin flip determines home field, for a, a three seed and a six seed. That does, uh, that's, not, that's not fair. That's, that's the NFL trying to look like, oh, we're going to be fair. And like, 
It's they not. played each other during the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's already decided. We, you just opened up an all-new Pandora's box. A coin, so what are we going to do? Televise the coin flip, too? What, what are we going to do? Anything for money. This coin flip, sponsored by Mountain Dew. Oh, my God. Anyway. Can you imagine? <laughs> let's, let's get to the area teams real quick and one quick college thing. Firstly, when it comes to Thibodeau, there's, there's failures all along this thing. Okay, the uh, Thibodeau for the go to sleep motion. Mm-hmm. But before that, he's making snow angels on the field. Yeah. He's actively hit the quarterback on the ground doing it. Mm, I Let's didn't see, see that part. Who, who is the captain of the, the Giants defense? Somebody just tap him on the chest like, yo, bro, no. Then he comes off the field. Hey, Dayball, you've had a fantastic season. You have, you're, it's in your line of sight. Just go, like, uh, young man, you're doing great, but chill a little. Just chill a little. That's all you have to do. <laughs> this, and you know what? And, ha- and how he reamed Daniel Jones out on TV like that at the beginning of the season, you know what, Ben? I think that would have been a great thing to do, just to set the tone there. Yeah, you, you, they catch you on TV. You don't have to go full turning into a super saiyan yelling at him, but just tap him on the shoulder like, come on, man. Come on, just... Yeah, we don't need to be all up in the argument, but just at least something, show something, because they're, they're monitoring him, and then they cut to Thibodeau on the bench, and I just put my hand on my forehead like, oh, yeah. boy, the optics on that is bad. I know. Right? It was bad. It was, You know what? The snow angel, like Ben, I said before, they said he didn't see him on the ground. You could maybe believe that part. Maybe, maybe, right? And I, and I loved Thibodeau, I think he's fan- supremely talented. I think he's going to be a stalwart on this defense for year for a generation, right? So, but you could maybe believe him, maybe when he says, "Ah, oh, you know, I didn't see him, whatever." But when he goes to the sideline and does the Steph Curry sleep motion, that's when you're like, you know what? You knew what you were doing, and that's a really, really bad look for you. And 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 then the the quotation. After the game, I was like, "Oh my god!" And go like, "Yo, just hope no one gets." And then Monday night happens. Sunday, Jets. I have no problem with starting Mike White in that game. No problem with starting Mike White in that game. You get to halftime, and that first drive after halftime, and he has a problem extending and throwing the ball. Yeah. Hey, Joe Flacco, start warming up. Yeah, right. <laughs> At what point does does an injury inhibit a team from 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 winning a game? I mean, you have to look at that and say, like, hey, well, wait a second. His injury may be affecting his his, his throwing motion, and at that point, you got to get him out of the game. And and here's the problem with that. All of that now, this coach goes and makes this comment about Flacco today, and I go like. What about last Sunday? Wait, wait, what? What about last Sunday? He gives us the best chance to win. And you see what White's doing. And you didn't think that last Sunday? Salah gets a C-minus on some of these after-game things. And I'll just leave. I'll leave on this one. Mm -hmm. I hope George and TCU have a great game. I'm rooting for TCU because I always like chaos. But <laughs> you talk about hard press to, to top the week prior. 
Those games last week were amazing. And, and you got this one Monday night, Georgia TCU. I, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. We get one as close. At, uh, at, if it's half as exciting as last week's game, we're in for a banger. Coach after midnight, enjoy your weekend. If I get a chance to talk to you, I will. Uh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate the call there and, and the, the multiple topics. Got a reaction? 877-337-6666. I got a tweet from uh, John Trombetta. And he said, so when, hey, uh, hey, Danielle, when um, Kayvon Thibodeau did the sleeping gesture, it was a sack. All right, so let's mansplain this to me. It was a sack that resulted in a three and out just after the Collins pick six to put them up 21 to three. I took it as they put the Colts to sleep, not specifically directed at Foles himself. And I said, wow, he, Thibodeau told you that himself? Come on. Come on. At Chris Wynn sends a, a tweet. He says, by the way, at Coach MCCARTA, and maybe you can't call and you're under the covers or something, or whatever, but at, you could tweet me. Good ones get on. And Chris Wynn says, I can't stop laughing as Danielle breaks out the trumpet after the Jets' postseason chances are no more. Yes, I'm tagging all the Jersey guys in Vegas. <laughs> and then, oh, that big daddy, Jeff. I love that one. It's the little kid. They're at the restaurant. He goes, huh, the goddamn Jets. It's every day of my life, the goddamn Jets. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and then Chris asked, can you do one for the Raiders next? <laughs> uh, well, I, didn't have, I don't have an audio set up for the Raiders uh, on that just yet. Uh, but I can. I, I can do that. So uh, the, the idea for the playoffs that, that I would have liked, uh, I, I would have loved for them to use that extra week built in. Into the schedule. There was an idea floated, and this is not the way that they decided to go. This is not it. But to me, this made the most sense. Uh, This is a tweet that said, At Pro Football Talk says on 93.7 The Fan, I think that was in, oh, that was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I looked that up. So this was an idea from Pro Football Talk on The Fan in Pittsburgh, and that um, the NFL schedule could look like this. So in a potential week 19, Bengals-Bills, like that regular season game, finished that game. Then you've got, in that same weekend, the NFC wildcard playoffs, followed by an AFC bye week. Then in what would be week 20, it'd be the AFC wildcard playoffs with an NFC bye week. I think it's a bye week built in for both the AFC and NFC and the Bengals and the Bills. Well, no, they would be the only ones that would have to play. Well, then so what? You'd have to play it. But all the, all the NFC teams would get a bye week. All the AFC teams would get a bye week besides the Bengals and the Bills. I mean, that, to me, sounded sounded like a fantastic idea. That, that to me, was the best possible of both worlds. And now you got the Bengals, who won the division, might have to play end up playing the Ravens in the playoffs, who came in second in the division, at home field is going to be determined by a coin toss. I mean, is that kind of, that's like backyard football like vibes there. I mean, come on. And now of course with all of this, the Bengals can no longer win the number 1 seed. They can no longer win the first round bye. And all of this, all of this. I mean, the Bengals did everything with class the, the, from the coaching staff to the ownership to the fans in the stands making signs with 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 Sharpie markers. They did everything right. Zach Taylor went across. 
cross that field. Do I believe that they gave the, the teams five minutes to warm up to re- resume that game? Yes, I do. I do believe that. Because you saw Joe Burrow was throwing on the sideline. Do you think Joe Buck just kind of pulled that out of his back pocket? Like that whole, I, I bet he was handed a piece of paper and said, hey, read this. We're starting in five minutes. Read this. And and then Zach Taylor went across the field, talked to McDermott, and now we know that McDermott told him that he needed to be at the hospital with his guy. And I believe Zach Taylor went to the hospital as well after the game, you know, way, way later in the night. But Zach Taylor was the guy, right? And 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 now the Bengals are finished. Joe Burrow went into to the locker room of the Bills. So he walked in there in his uniform still into that locker room. This is a major case of nice guy finishing last to me. And it was completely avoidable if you were to just do it this way, the way that pro football talk told the fan in Pittsburgh. So I, I don't I hate the, the, the neutral site, although I didn't hear Vegas was was an option, interested in holding that game, and maybe you you can confirm it out there, Chris. But um it's a long shot. There's three different scenarios. We're not gonna be let's let's wait till next week to see. Let's let this weekend play out, we'll, and then we'll see if that neutral site is even in play anymore. But anyway, nice guys finishing last. I, I definitely subscribe to that. There was a way to do it that would benefit most everybody, and the NFL didn't do it. I think they needed 24 votes to pass this way that they decided, um, and the, the CFO, CEO, one of the executives, a woman, I forget her name, uh, for the Bengals, she penned this whole thing and she tried to persuade people and in the end, they got just one more vote needed. I think it was 25 votes out of the 24 needed and, and this is what they went with, which kind of sucks. My opinion. I have no dog in the fight. Anyway, I'm Daniel McCartan and did you see, see this? Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman has emerged from the woodwork. Oh, yeah, he's out now, and he's got a lot to say about these 2022 Giants. Maybe he fired up his computers or something like that. So in summary, basically what he said, he's taking a victory lap for the construction of this current roster. 877-337-6666. WFAN in New York City. My name is Danielle McCartan with you for about another hour. Phone number to get aboard is 877-337-6666. I think the main topic of the night is the fact that the Giants should be resting their starters. That is like not even a question in my mind. I am not even going. I I know some people are kind of straddling the line here like, well, you know, Daniel Jones, he he could play a quarter. No, I don't want to see Daniel Jones out there at all. It's Saquon Barkley at all. Dexter Lawrence at all. None of them. No. One of those guys gets injured, the, 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 the season is over. O-V-A over. So, um, Oh, John John Trimbetta, he's not going to answer the other tweet that I sent uh, sent back to him. He's going to answer this one. He said, the double wildcard bye week format sounded interesting. All you would lose is the week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, except in the format the Eagles would have two weeks off. Right. So, okay, deal with it, right? Yeah, so we agree on that. I think that was the best case scenario, and I'm not sure why that, that didn't get 
Maybe he got shot down. I don't know. Oh, now he said, now he says, uh, yes, Thibodeau called him personally. Oh, good. That, now that we got that cleared away. Good. Um, oh, Tom Carroll checks in on Twitter and he says, big time Jets fan, but also root for the Giants as a secondary team that taps tribute Danielle Hurt. <laughs> well, you do to the, the, the same to the Giants when they get knocked out. Well, Tom, that's not um, positive thinking because the Giants could win the Super Bowl. Uh, theoretically, they could. So I don't like the word when. I want to use the word if, because theoretically, they could go all the way. Who knows? I don't know. But the Giants are severely, severely deficient in the wide receiver department. I'm not saying the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl, but I am saying that, hey, I think Giants fans have seen a wild card team, you know, go and win it all in the past. How about this? Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman is back. Or maybe I should do like the, the guy from The Shining, right? He, he's back. Something like that, right? That's how it goes. I saw that when I was a kid. Pet Cemetery was the movie that really scared me. Stephen King thing. Awful. Like, really bad. And my cousin in Florida, she's like a nanny for a house on, on Siesta Key. And our Casey Key and Steven Spielberg lives there. She sees him walk, walking his dog with a Boston Red Sox hat on. So when I go down there, I'm looking for him. And I want to tell him that Pet Cemetery, his book, Pet Cemetery, messed me up. Not the movie. The movie was like, eh. The book? Oh my God. I can read like a page at a time. That's it. I was so scared reading that book. I was like 11. <laughs> I love scary stuff. Favorite show? American Horror Story. But anyway, this might be an American Horror Story, a New York Giants Horror Story, because Dave Gettleman's back in the spotlight, and he talked with the Post. And it was an article posted about dinner time on Friday. And Dave Gettleman was talking about the Giants roster and the players that he chose for it. And to me, the tone, the tone of it wasn't great. I felt that he was kind of gloating about how well they're doing. And there was a couple quotes that stuck out to me in this article in the post. The first quote was how uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, you know, of course they're Gettleman products, right? But Dave Gettleman commended Daniel Jones for learning his third system in four years. True facts, facts. And after talking about Saquon's toughness coming back from injury, also true facts. Gettleman got a little dig into the current Giants regime. About Barkley, he said, this is a quote, for Saquon to fight through those injuries and not getting a contract and being forced to play out his fifth year, he had to have a lot of confidence in himself. Well, I guess that means Dave Gettleman would have signed him to a long-term contract at that point. I guess good thing he's gone. We'll see what happens with Saquon Barkley, right? But if I'm the new person coming in, I wasn't doing it right off the bat. Hell no. Second quote I saw from Dave Gettleman in this Post article was about the both of them, Jones and, and Barkley. So he said, am I happy the guys are doing well? I'm thrilled. I'm really happy for them. It's not because it justifies me. It justifies them. So wait a minute. You're, why are you doing the interview at all then? The only reason is for self-justification purposes. What? Tell me one other reason for you to sit down with the post and talk about the guys that you drafted and how well they're doing now. Come on! You think I'm an idiot? 
Dave, get, he, and he piled on. He said, he said, get him and piled on. He said, Daniel and Saquon and Andrew Thomas and Dexter, where do you want me to stop? Well, I'll tell you where. DeAndre Baker, Kadarius Tony, salary cap hell for the next how many years? Oh, and Kenny Galladay, who can't catch a cold. Where do you want me to stop? I mean, just go away. Yes, you, you did. You found Darius Slate and all these guys. Great. You couldn't coach him. You couldn't find a guy to coach him. That's that's also part of your job. You couldn't find guys, the analytics to, to improve these players. Yeah, that's also your job. So, really, at this point, no one cares what you have to say. You ran this team into the ground. You presided one of maybe one of the most darkest periods of, of Giants history between the two coaches that that you had, Shermer, and then uh, what's his what was his name after him? Uh, Jesus, my God. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe Judge. I mean, you picked those guys, and I am so happy that that these Giants, these these now Giants, went with my early on first choices and Dable and Shane to to replace the the two leaders that that Gettleman, you know, the two coaches that Gettleman had. So, yeah, okay, Daniel and Saquon. I mean, Saquon was going to be a star no matter where he went. You went up and got Daniel Jones. Debatable on, as to whether or not he would have been there when you picked. Andrew Thomas had a rough go to start, if you remember correctly. Now with some correct coaching, he's doing a much better. You know what I'm saying? DeAndre Baker, Kadarius Tony, which was all kinds of question marks about him to begin. And salary cap hell moving forward. Absolute hell moving forward. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Maury in Belmore, you're up on a fan now in New York. You know, the funny thing is, if these guys were doing horrible, if they were hurt, Gettleman would be nowhere to be found. Yeah, right, exactly. He wouldn't wouldn't be doing doing any interviews. He'd be hitting, just like he's been all year long, hasn't been hurt up. All of a sudden, they're in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, we hear from Gettleman. Listen, Maury, the timing is so conspicuous on that. Suspicious, whatever that word is. Yeah, no, conspicuous, right? Conspicuous, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, F, uh, SAT words haven't been in my <laughs> vocabulary for a while. So um, so that, to me, it's just another joke. You know, whatever, gentlemen. We, we, you know, he did. If we go through the laundry list of the negatives versus the positives, wow, we would be way on the negative side. So listen, good, you got your claim to fame. The truth is, we're going we're gonna to probably sign Barkley, but we can't sign him to a long-term deal because you never sign him running, running back mm-hmm. to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. And Jones has definitely proven it. He's definitely worth the value. We're going to pay him a long-term contract. Thank you. But, yeah, let's go over all the other disasters that you put us through. The good thing is we're right on track. Uh, we're ready to rock. We made the playoffs. I believe that the guys come out for one offensive set and then just go back in and let the backups do it just for the just for S's and giggles. But that's it. That's it. Get prepared to, to play the, the Vikings, which is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. And let's go. Let's play some football. I'm excited. Giant playoff. I'm so glad you and your dad went to the game. I mean, what a great game to go to. I what know. What a great game. Yeah. And it was so, the weather was like 55 degrees. You couldn't ask for a better day there either, weather-wise. Yeah, it was just great. I was thinking about when you guys were there. I was just like, that's awesome. Because a couple of weeks before that, I took my daughter to an, an unfortunate Philly uh, Philly Giants game, oh. but it was the first game. Uh, she wore my dad's my eighty two year old dad's old fashioned giant coat, and she got more uh, compliments on it than anyone else. So oh, it was a beautiful I love day. That. My, that, yeah, it's like a nineteen fifty Giants 
like a uh, high school, like it looked like one of those high school Like a jackets. varsity jacket? Yeah, yeah. Dark what? blue with the red giants. Yeah, my dad had it for years. She wore it. Not only was it warm, but she just got tons of compliments on it. So it was just a great day. Uh, she said, my boys had him back to school t- today. So it's like, uh, perfect. We're going we're gonna to watch the giant game. He's going to be in Alabama. I'll be here, but we'll be talking about it. And how old is your daughter? Uh, she's 22. Uh, I love that. Yeah, my boy's 19. He's heading back to school today, and she goes to school locally here, here at St. John's uh, for speech pathology. Oh, great I have kid. a friend that does that, actually. Yeah. Great kids, great kids. Very lucky to have them both. Yeah, very good, Maury. Thank but you. Listen, great, great call. Great day. Always love listening to you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I just love those stories. Yeah, and, and I was... Uh, uh, posted the pictures online. I mean, my dad had a fun time. He, uh, he, we were talking in the car right there, and he, I was like, Dad, when was the last time you were here? And he was like, you know what? I don't know. For You know, for a football game. We go to concerts, right? But for a football game, he's like, you know what? I don't know. And by the way, he's not impressed with MetLife Stadium. He likes old Giants Stadium better, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> I think a lot of Giants fans do. Dave in Comac, New York, Dave. What's up? Hey, how are you? Great. How are you? All righty. I think it's time to fire uh, Lame Lambert, and maybe you also fire Lamarillo while you're at it. Oh, my God. Again? Yeah. Uh, no more turnover? What's that? More turnover over there? Yeah, but uh, it, it, it looks the way it looks. It may not make the playoffs. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I... I... I'm rolling it. I'm I'm riding with them a little longer. I, I think the turnover is not a good thing to have to keep coming in and re-upping and re-this and re-that. I don't love it. Yeah, but Barzell, when Barzell's gone, the team does nothing. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and that is coaching. You're right. That is and coaching. And then the goaltending, you know, uh, I mean, Verlama hasn't been playing in a while because he's injured, but, you know, I think that's a problem. Also, both contenders need to go. Yeah, no depth, right? Not 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 enough quality depth there. I mean, when you're standing three feet out in front of the net, or too far left, or too yeah, far right, between that's right. the two of them, you I know, mean, you know, it doesn't uh, doesn't help things. Simple physics, right, Dave? You go too far out, it can get in behind you. Right, or you know, you, they're coming at you, and you're too far out, and they catch you. Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Leaning, yeah, leaning, you can't or, get back in the yeah, next time. Right. Right. Well, he doesn't know, or Sorokin doesn't know where the puck is. I've heard that a few times. No. Well, you're joking, right? Yeah, no way, right? (laughs) No way. How do you not know where the puck is? Oh, no way. That can't be real. Who said that? (laughs) But as far as the Giants, I think the Giants are going to do very well this year. Well, I think they've exceeded expectations already. So for me, I think the Giants are kind of playing with house money right now. But as far as the comment you made about uh, Gettleman, yeah, you mean it's suspicious that uh, that's that, the word, right? <laughs> you know, I've almost been up for twenty-four hours straight, Dave. So I appreciate any help I can get at this time. No, 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 not to criticize. <laughs> no, you know. no, I, I know, I know, I'm saying thank you because it's uh, it's hard. <laughs> but uh, you know, if if it turns out that uh, that uh, you know they even sniff the Super Bowl, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Then uh, you know, kudos to Gettleman because then he knew what he was doing as far as getting uh, Daniel Jones. But you know what? The other thing is, even though uh, Daniel Jones likes to run the ball, and mm-hmm. it's some, that could come back to haunt you eventually. 
Yeah, it can. Injury-wise. Yeah, right. And and we were sitting at that game, my dad and I, and thanks for the call there, David. Uh, my dad and I were sitting at that game, like, he's not going to come out for half to, at a half, right? Yeah, he's not going to start the third quarter, right? And, oh, 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 really? The play style of Daniel Jones is, is the number one reason why he should be sitting this weekend. And uh, I've got a text from Chris Wynn, who is in the media out there in, uh, in Vegas, and he said, I have not heard about Allegiant Stadium in Vegas as a spot for that neutral site, but maybe, that said, I think they may want it at a more central location, more like Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy or Jerry's World in Dallas. Hey, who knows? But if it's two teams that are used to playing out in the elements, I want that game outside. I was thinking about that maybe Tuesday night. That game's got to be outside. It can't be in any one of these swanky places. Come on. It's football. January. I'm Daniel McCartan with you for another hour here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan in New York City. My name is Danielle McCartan. Shout out to... Chris Wynn and company checking in from Las Vegas and, and all of you from all over listening on that free Odyssey app, maybe on WFN.com. And uh, Billy checking in from Newark Airport doing a driving job. He's listening at 101.9, a.m. We are all over. And, you know, as, as Marco was playing that clip there, I had a thought. Uh, it was a fleeting thought. It was, you know, about the old... Um, rib injury, and I'm like, well, then, 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 didn't Mike White go to like ten different doctors to get cleared, and none of them found that old injury? I'm not, I don't know about that. So I, I, I'm looking at Mike White, and his, you know, let's do it this way. There were some people around here that went absolutely. I have, I have a banana as a snack. I, I do a banana and, and chocolate hummus. I'm pretending it's like a chocolate uh, fudge here, but um, there are people around here that went absolutely bananas over Mike White. They anointed him the next coming. They anointed him the future of the franchise. And come on, like give me a break already. Hot take central. I mean, he's a great story. He's Mike White is easy to root for for sure, but. It is, to me, I mean, more glaringly obvious than ever that he's just, he's a great backup. And there's nothing wrong with being a great backup. I said this about Todd Bowles. He's not a head coach. You're seeing it now, again. Here are the Jets, they're in Tampa. He's, it's, it's okay to be a great defensive coordinator. That's what he, he won a Super Bowl with the Bucks as a defensive coordinator. They might not sniff the NFC Championship game with him as a head coach. So there's nothing wrong with being what is perceived to be the lesser job. Mike White is a great backup that I hope the Jets retain next year. I mean, his career as a starter, two wins, five losses, a 75.4 rating, less than one yard per rushing attempt. His interceptions per game are still higher than his touchdowns per game. Okay, you want to take that last game out? Fine. Let's wrap it up in a nice, neat number. 80.4 was his rating. 80.4. Do you know where that puts him in, 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 in the main starters, in the hierarchy of main NFL starters this season? No? 
not at the top with Tua Tungavailoa, not at second place with Patrick Mahomes. You got to scroll all the way down. Where an 80.4 fits in, there's a guy that has an 80.2. You know who that is? Carson Wentz. 78. Let's go one down, one up. 78 on the season. Davis Mills. Then one up from Carson Wentz is an 81.3. Baker Mayfield. That's what you're looking at. And at Baker Mayfield, forget him. By no means do I want to see him in a Jets uniform next year, as well as Derek Carr. Neither of the two of them. Derek Carr has not won a game. For those of you who are pining for Derek Carr, he has not won a game where the kickoff temperature is at 32, 37 degrees or fewer. Think about that. It's cold here, beginning in when? October sometimes? November for sure? December? January? Come on. Stop with that. So you want to anoint Mike White the next coming. And I took out that last game with the five broken ribs. I took out that game. He's still got an 80 rating. Just as good as Carson Wentz. Almost exactly to the point of of Carson Wentz. So you mean to tell me he's the next coming? Come on. He's a likable guy, but enough already. And you know what? In that Seahawks game, this image, was my I watched my TV, and this image was not lost on me. It was the final play of the game. You had Mike White on the ground all folded up. His shoulder pad was sticking out of his jersey. He was, he was dragged down by the shoulder pads, sacked, obviously. And then the guy, Mike White, he was just laying there, lying there on his back. And he literally had to get peeled up off the turf. Again, all of this on the last play of the game. And not a single touchdown scored for the New York Jets. In fact, the Jets have not scored a single touchdown since December 18th. It was the fourth quarter of the Week 15 game against the Lions. So you can insert a dad joke right here. You'd say, oh, the Jets haven't scored since last year. And I would probably laugh because I love dad jokes. But the fact of the matter is, Mike White is not playing this week. He can't. And the Jets didn't turn to Zach Wilson. They turned to Joe Flacco. And the quote that Robert Sala had about Joe Flacco I mean, yikes. But before we do that, Alex in Vegas is calling, and he wants to talk about neutral site playoffs. Alex, I'm sure you're in favor of it because you want a home game over there at Allegiant Stadium. Yes? Uh, Yeah, I'm actually actually not from Vegas, but um, I'm just uh, driving. I'm actually driving out to uh, LA, and I'm just passing through Vegas. But um, oh, cool. But um, actually, before I start, I actually want to thank you for the um, back in July. Uh, you gave me your tickets to the um, card convention in AC. Oh, I want to thank you yeah. for that. So, how did you enjoy it? Was it fun? It was, yeah. So, did you win it? How did you but, win it? On the radio, did you win, or did you? Did uh, I mail them to you personally? Both. Oh, okay, I okay. won it on the radio and you mailed it to me personally. Oh, okay, okay. You answered a trivia question then. Do you remember the question? Right, yes. Uh, something having to do with Mike Piazza, I believe. Oh, I don't even remember that. Well, good for you. Well, good. I'm glad you had a fun time. What was your favorite part about that convention in AC? Um, just meaning Joe, just meaning a few of the my idols growing up, but um, But um, on the neutral side playoff game, do you think this is going to be, if it happens, do you think it's going to be a test run for, and in the future, 
yeah, that it, both the AFC and NFC are going to um, do the uh, neutral site. You know what, Alex? It's a great point that you bring up because I heard throughout the week that this is something that they, the NFL or, or factions within the NFL ownership at least has been pushing for. They have been pushing for neutral site, and I think that's I think it's ridiculous, really. There should not be any neutral site anything. I mean, the Super Bowl, of course, you have to plan ahead, but NFC, AFC championship games? No way. It's a stupid idea. Why would they do The whole point is to have the home field advantage because you got the higher seed, you know, you would think. It's stupid. But, yeah, I think, it's, I think it is. You're right. I think it is a test run for maybe in the future. Yeah, they're, they're seeing this as an opportunity for sure. All right, Danielle, thank you. Yeah, Alex brings up a great point there. I think the NFL is using this to their advantage in the potential, the potential of a neutral site. And again, if you want to go through the, the, the scenarios in which that would happen. So one would be Buffalo and Kansas City win or tie in week 18. And they both get there to the AFC title game. Okay. Not hard to fathom that, right? Or... Buffalo and KC both lose. And Cincinnati also loses or ties this weekend. And then again, Buffalo and Kansas City advance the AFC title game. Is your head spinning yet? I mean, this is like this is like a PhD. This is like rocket science. Then Buffalo and KC both lose. Cincinnati wins. And then the AFC title game is either Bills Chiefs or Bengals Chiefs. So it seems like Looks like the Chiefs might have, no matter what, looks like to me. I think it's ridiculous. I think the whole thing's ridiculous. There was, a, there was an easy way to do it. And the easy way was, by Pro Football Talk said, this week 19 would be Bengals-Bills finish the game and the NFC wildcard playoffs. The AFC playoff would get a bye week. Then in the next subsequent week, week 20, let's call it, It'd be AFC wildcard playoffs, and the NFC gets a bye week. I mean, that's a simple fix. Simple. I don't know why they didn't do that. But, um, yeah, so Mike White is is not playing this week for the Jets in this meaningless game. He was a – this is crazy to me, too, because he was a full participant for the walkthrough on Wednesday. Limited Thursday – and then Friday afternoon, it was like, yeah, man, I've been playing with five broken ribs, one of which is an old one, which none of the other doctors found that one, by the way, the other 10. But all right. So it's going to be Joe Flacco to bookend the Jets season and likely ride off into the sunset, right? So here's what Robert Tallis said. He said on, um, on it was, like, was it the daytime media availability or the nighttime one? Either way, Salas said on Friday, he said, Joe Flacco is like a Ford pickup truck. You may not appreciate him in September, October, etc., but you appreciate him when the weather turns nasty. Uh, what? Because my question is, where's the Lamborghini that you drafted at number two overall? You mean to tell me that you can't start it up in a completely meaningless game? Oh, wait. People forget this, too. They're playing in Miami. They'll be away. The Jets will be away from the booing home crowd. I was there in that game against the Jaguars. It was awful. It was embarrassing. On national TV, I was there in the rain. But we weren't getting rained on, thank God. 
we were sitting in nice seats thanks to DJ Dan Monopoly. Dan, if you're listening, thank you. And and we had a little patio seat, and the and the the wind was blowing the rain the other way. Even the wind was cooperating that night with us. But anyway, you mean to tell me you're not going to find the keys and start up that Lamborghini in Miami of all places, away from the booing home crowd? I mean, what an indictment on the quarterback that Lamborghini Zach Wilson. What an indictment on the general manager on selecting him and the head coach for going along with it and the entire coaching staff for dropping the ball on the kid. I mean, they ruined him. And then, I mean, if you're a Jeff fan, you might not want to even listen to this. The caliber of players that were drafted after Zach Wilson. Maybe you don't want to know, but Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Can you imagine how different this Jets team would look with any of those guys instead of Zach Wilson? And I, I, I said it. I said it when it happened. Go back to the videotape. I said it. I was not convinced that Zach Wilson was the guy. I wasn't. Many, many concerns I had, right? Get, we can get into them if you want. And when after he was drafted by the Jets, I again voiced my skepticism on Zach Wilson. And then I said, and I remember saying, I said, you know what? But that's that's who they went with. So you got to get behind him at this point. And I tried. But he's done nothing for me to want to get behind him now, if that makes sense. I don't think uh, – see, my, my ideal quarterback room for the Jets next year, Jimmy Garoppolo one, Mike White two, Zach Wilson three. You can't trade him right now. He's got no value. You're just going to release him into the wild blue yonder and let Bill Belichick pick him up and make him into the next Tom Brady? No, not that either. So Garoppolo, White, who's a fantastic backup, Mike White is. Garoppolo, White, Wilson. Caught, and, and that's not my like fantasy one. That's like real, cost-effective, all that. That's how I would go. But hey, I'm not, uh, I'm not GM of the Jets. 877-337-6666. Go to Dobbs Ferry. What's up, Sparky? Well, first of all, Happy New Year, Coach. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. And Gable shows the importance of what a good coach can do just with the job he's done with Daniel Jones. Because what I like, the fact is he took advantage of the good things Daniel Jones does, and he eliminated the bad things Daniel Jones does. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fumbles. I mean, they've, they've basically been like zero this whole season. Zero, almost. I think it's yep. six. It's six. You, uh, he's lost I three mean, of them. That's the thing. Look at how he was when he first came in the league, and this guy eliminated that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, as far as Gettleman, what he says, I think of the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah. I mean, you can't take him seriously. Yeah. I know. You're coming out now. The timing of it is impeccable. The Giants... It's- Get into the playoffs, and all of a sudden you're doing this interview? Why wasn't it done at the beginning of the season? You think he likes patting himself in the back a little? <laughs> a little bit. Okay. <laughs> now, another thing. I like when you talk about how you, when you go to the game with your father, because, you know, something went going 
Some of the best days I ever had with my father was when he would take me to a Yankee game. Yeah. Okay. And he took me to my first Yankee game for my ninth birthday in September of 1964. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, Coach, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Such a great feeling. I remember. We we did a family of four trip to my first first ever baseball game was a Yankee game. And they were playing the Brewers. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I I was 10. I was 10 years old. It was cool. It's just the most awesome thing. And you know what's funny is the first game I went to, it was a doubleheader. I figured, you know what, I'll try to trick my father. We go to a doubleheader. <laughs> I somehow get the idea he knew it was a doubleheader, though. <laughs> you know. But now, on my Yankee point, very important. I like the idea of bringing in Sabian and Omar Minaya. Yeah. Because you got two guys that know minor league baseball. And let's face it, all minor leagues is not our strength. And the idea that these guys, they know how to scout players. Mm-hmm. And maybe they could put it in Cashman's mind that unfortunately, you know, as I said before, we it does seem like Cashman overrates on minor leaguers. Always. Clint Frazier. I mean, let's go through the list. I mean, always. He's a, he's a prospect hugger. So maybe I these mean, guys are going to loosen the grip on some of these guys and let him go, maybe. I mean, what's scary, Coach, is like when you, you talk about Volpe, by the time this guy makes the majors, he might be closer to retirement than having a full career. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, what? What are they afraid of? You know, they. I mean, they're not going to even give this guy a shot yet. They bring back your favorite shortstop. You know, in IKF. Oh, I love him. He's my favorite shortstop of all time in all of baseball history. IKF. I. I mean, you. You always were beaming about his greatness. Oh, yeah. He, he's a fantastic, he's a model defender. They should make textbooks named after him. I mean, that's the I don't get. Why don't they give the guy a chance? See if he can play. I mean, now. They, they did. Got, they benched him in the postseason. He was that bad. No, I'm talking about Volpe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm on board with that. I mean, I mean, the thing with RKF, that they benched him like that, and they brought him back for, for $6 million. I know. That was I mean, like, called, What? Coach, I think in the first Rocky movie where the promoter goes to Rocky, you consider America a land of opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what, Sparky, I've, I haven't seen the, the Rocky movies. Please don't kill me. Oh, but it's funny. I mean, it's just like, but I think that you're just going to see a higher quality of minor league ball. Yep. And and I'm wondering now, do you think that the Yanks have a shot at getting Reynolds? Uh, you know what? Here's what I would say. I would say, and I heard the last thing I heard was that the asking price was way too high. So when the Pirates are out of it mid midsummer, then maybe the Yankees make a move and the and the price will be lower. But uh, I mean, he he's a good bat for them to have. I mean, he's 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 a perfect player. He's a Benintendi like guy. And you yeah. know what else I was going to say? These two guys that they brought in, the Yankees, maybe they're going to loosen the grip on the analytics a little bit too uh, yeah. for for Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone, maybe. I mean, as far I mean, coach, you more than anybody being a coach, analytics to me it doesn't mean much for one reason. You, it's very simple. K 
can a person play or can't they play? <laughs> I mean, what's and and the thing is, I found out, you know, as a little kid, I had a coach when I was ten, and this guy taught us how to throw the cutoff man. Yeah. He taught us how to bond. Mm-hmm. It's about teaching baseball, backing up bases. Yep. You know, it's learning the game, and you know that's something that's forgotten. Yep, you know, taking the outside pitch, and thanks for the call there, Sparky. Taking the outside pitch, putting it to right. If you're if you're a right-handed batter, taking the outside pitch, putting it right field. Inside pitch goes to the left field. You know, I, I do all that with the kids, with the tees and all that. I, I teach a cerebral part of the game. You know, it's lost. It is a lost kind of art. You know, at times. So, um, how about this? Uh, I, I got something to say about Baker Mayfield and how. What he did in his first game with his brand new team could teach us, all of us here in New York City, but more specifically, the Giants fans. And I already know that a faction of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. A lesson with Signorina McCartan up next here on The Fan. is Danielle McCartan with you for about another 30 minutes. Richard Neer is up next starting at 5 a.m. A couple tweets that are coming in on the break at Coach MCCARTAN. Johnny T says, Soldier Field is a perfect neutral site for Chiefs-Bills AFC Championship game. Well, if they make it there, yeah. Uh, I went to Soldier Field uh, to see the Giants play there. Giants-Bears. What a beautiful field that is. I mean, totally and completely underrated is Soldier Field. I mean, if you close your, if you just drop me in Soldier Field, right? Close your eyes and open them. You swear you're in, in the middle of Rome. I mean, like marble columns. I mean, I'm like, where am I? On the water. I mean, it was beautiful. I loved it. Soldier Field. Uh, yeah, it's about halfway, right? In my mind's eye, it's about halfway. Uh, Bill Mojihara fan. He's a Bengals fan, and he said, uh, could you play the trumpet for the Mets ending this Correa nonsense? The season is not even close to starting, and I'm already tired of this Mets nonsense. Well, let me check out the window here. Yep, I still got my Carlos Correa uh, bat signal out there, and nothing. I was hoping for some breaking news tonight, but I guess not. I don't know. And then, of course, there's the the, the quarterback thing of the Jets. Who's going to be the veteran quarterback that's going to quarterback the Jets next year? Who should it be? I know the name Baker Mayfield has been floating out there. We'll talk about him in a second. It's not the right answer, but it's going to underscore the, uh, well, kind of cancel out the point I'm about to make. But it's, it's a good one, I promise. Hang in there. Josh in the Bronx, though, you're up first at 877-337-6666. Daniel, you said something about Zach Wilson. You know, going back to that draft and going down the list of those names and mm-hmm. everything, Jamar Chase, et cetera, et cetera, yep. and getting, a, you know, the fans, it, you know, they, 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 they wanted something so badly, mm-hmm. the general manager went through with it, got Zach Wilson, here you go. Now, when you're going into the draft this year, you know, you're gonna li- you're gonna listen to the fans, or you're gonna go with your brain, you know, and just uh, do the right thing and get the right person. 
you know, that you need, hopefully, for the offensive line. Okay? Yeah, the, you know what, though, Josh? They, they fell in love with him on that right. one throw that he made. The one throw. And they were like, they were like nodding at each other, like, yeah, this is our guy. This yeah. is our guy. Like, come on. Yeah, but that's, you, you want reality. You don't want fiction. Thank you for taking my call, Daniel. Yeah, Josh, thanks mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, you, you want you want reality, right? And and that's that's why I hate these pro days. You know, you would think, oh, I'm a coach. I would love to have the, these pro days. Look at these guys. No, because it's not it's not truthful. It's not it doesn't give you an accurate picture of what's going on. Like we always do when we do tryouts for volleyball, it's like, all right, these kids look great, spiking the ball, they're crushing the ball with you know, being tossed, not set to. Okay, so you eliminate that. There's no pressure. It's just, you know, them and the ball, and there's no blocker in front of them. There's no defense behind them. There's no double block in front of them. Of course they're going to look like a stud. That, to me, is, and even even if they're not, right, it's a, it's a false, you know, false creation of what this person is and what their, their abilities are. So when I watch pro days, I kind of just shake my head. I'm like, well, this isn't real life. You know, this isn't a really good tool to, to, to measure this guy. I mean, there's no defense. There's no pressure. There's not... 300-pound lineman running after you. You know what I mean? There's just, there's just not a good, accurate depiction. And, and you know, the tape tells a story. The fact that he wasn't ever elected, you know, uh, voted upon by his by his teammates as captain, that they had to create a leadership council for him, for, for him to wear that C on his chest. I mean, there's just so many things. Playing in a small school, playing without fans in that, that pandemic season, you know, play the comp- level of competition in the schools he played against, and the level of competition that you know, big the LSU these guys play against. It's different. So not only did he have to make an adjustment to just you know better competition, he had to make an adjustment to faster, better NFL competition. And to me, yeah, maybe the guy does have talent, right? Maybe he does, but he doesn't have an offensive coordinator that's 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 working with him. Whoever they have. In their quarterback coaching him, I mean, to to, to make the the realization how many weeks ago that that he needs to improve upon his his lower body. What? What do you mean he's got to rework his entire lower body? Robert Sala's like, oh, go read a book. He's got to go clear his mind and read a book. If it was that easy, why doesn't he start with the playbook? What is he gonna read? Pride and Prejudice. I mean, what are some good book suggestions for Zach Wilson to get his head in the game? His feet in the game. His desire to play football. To be a quarterback of the New York Jets. I think the kid, I think he fell in love with being an NFL quarter, an NFL player. Fell in love with being an NFL quarterback. Everything that came along with it. All the extracurriculars. That's what I think. And I think he thought it was just going to come easy for him. And it didn't. But. So. So. Rewind. Right. Go back. Thursday night football, Baker Mayfield, waved by the Panthers two days before the game. Two days. 48 hours. He and, and Baker Mayfield led his new team, the Rams, in his new number, 17, happens to be my favorite number. And he, he leads into a last-second win over the Raiders. Eight plays, 98 yards, with one minute and 45 seconds remaining in the game. They needed a touchdown. And with 10 seconds left, Baker Mayfield hit Van Jefferson for a 23-yarder. And 
it was the longest, longest go-ahead touchdown drive that began in the two-minute warning in the last 45 seasons. Think about that. Like, within the two-minute warning, there hasn't been in 45 years a longer go-ahead touchdown drive than the one Baker Mayfield orchestrated with Van Jefferson, and he joined the team two days before it happened. Okay? So Baker Mayfield gets the Rams playbook in hand Tuesday night. He beat the Raiders Thursday night. And I looked, too. Just to be sure, no, the Panthers did not play the Raiders at any point this season. So it couldn't, could not be that, you know, he had already prepared for them once already this season, kind of recycled that same ideologies and game plan, blueprint, whatever. No. Brand new. Brand new opponent. So I think there's something that Giants, Giants Nation, Giants fans, that, that they can learn from this Baker Mayfield situation. That... You can do the, I don't want to use the word impossible, but, but you can do some crazy things when you've got good players catching your passes. You see where I'm going with this, right? Because the Panthers receivers, no one home, the right home about. I mean, Robbie Anderson, all he, got, all he does is run straight lines. I said it when it happened. He just runs straight lines. That's it. That's all he can do. I mean, so then you take Baker Mayfield, whose teams that he's been on have not won a ton, right? And you insert him into an offense with guys that can actually catch the ball and you know, X, Y, Z, an effective offense, run the right way. And look what happened. Even though he got his playbook in his hand two days before the game happened. And I mean, just look what look what's going on with Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Geno Smith. I mean, I feel like I'm down short. Geno Smith. A perennial backup. I mean, you drag and you drop Geno Smith, and he is a product of that dynamic, that 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 A list of pass catchers. DK Metcalf, who I loved coming out of the draft, Tyler Lockett, most noticeably, notably. You got a coach that just gets him a game plan that suits him. They don't try to do too much. You know what I mean? So, example one, Baker Mayfield. Example two, Geno Smith. And then you look at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones who has persevered through the nonsense for the past four seasons. You look at the official Giants depth chart from this year. Just this year alone, his wide receiver won. Darius Slayton, nice pick, nice guy, great, great guy, right? Darius Slayton, pick number 171. And at last check, which was prior to last week's game, Darius Slayton drops the ball 10.3% of the time it's thrown to him. So he catches what? What's the math on that? He catches 9 out of 10 balls thrown to him. When you put it that way, it sounds like a lot. But 10.3% of drops, that is a lot. He is 8th in the league at the time I looked, about about oh, 6 days ago. He was 8th in the league, Darius Slayton, among not just wide receivers, all pass catchers, like regardless, if you've caught a pass, you're on the list, okay? Darius Slayton was eighth in the league, regardless of position, in drop passes. He dropped so many, he's eighth in the league. That's including wide receivers. That's including running backs. That's including fullbacks. That's including tight ends. Any pass catcher. I mean, that's your wide receiver one? Look at the Giants' official depth chart. Daniel Jones, wide receiver two, is Kenny Galladay, who has been a complete 
nothing, zero, zilch since the day he arrived in New Jersey. Wide receiver three, Isaiah Hodgins. No, you know what? And my dad, I can't, um, I, I didn't have the heart to correct him at the game. He calls him Hodgkins, Isaiah Hodgkins. I can't correct him. You know, and if I, if I did correct him, he'd be like, okay, Hodgkins. <laughs> Isaiah Hodgkins, the number wide receiver three in the New York Giants. Joined them on a bye week as a waiver claim. Right? Okay, right? See where I'm going with this? Then you got, oh, David Sills, undrafted practice squad kind of guy. Richie James. Oh, Richie James. Yeah. Pick 240 in, 2018. in 2018. Look at the giant step drop. Marcus Johnson, an undrafted guy who's been brought up from the practice squad at least three times this, this season so far. Oh, and you want to include Saquon Barkley as a pass catcher? Fine. As great as he has been for the Giants, Saquon Barkley. He drops the ball thrown to him 6.9% of the time. So think about as great as he's been. Juxtapose him against all of the pass catchers in the league, regardless of position. You got Slayton at number 8, Barkley at number 31. I know he's a running back, but he's incorporated a lot into the Giants' pass game. So Daniel Jones has two guys in the top 31 of drop passes in the NFL as his wide receiver one and his, go, his other go-to guy. Forget about all the other guys. Okay? So, you know, forget about Zach Wilson and all this, right? I feel bad for Daniel Jones, who's playing with his third new offense in four years, entirely new system. I mean, you saw the adjustment that even Tom Brady made when he went to Tampa. There was an adjustment period. So I don't understand how you could sit there and you could say, Daniel Jones sucks. He's not the guy. Go go get a quarterback. Okay, well then you tell me who that quarterback is. Which quarterback is going to be better than Daniel Jones? Tell me. You're going to re- press reset and draft a guy at what? The Giants are picking what, 20, 22nd, 23rd? NFL draft order, tankathon. Let's see, 22nd I think they are. Giants are picking... 23rd, my mistake. The Giants are picking 23rd in the draft. What quarterback are you taking right now? They're 23rd. What quarterback are you taking at 23? It's going to make an immediate impact on this team. Oh, yeah, none. The Jets couldn't even find one at two to make an immediate impact. And then for me, it was never about the about the name Odell Beckham Jr. For me, it was about a player who would automatically, midway through the season, make this Giants team just at least a dual-threat team. I mean... It was a guy that had some real talent who could help figure out that Daniel Jones debate, which has been settled without him. But the lesson learned from this Baker Mayfield Rams reunion is this. Look at a guy who just had the playbook inserted into his hands on Tuesday night. Look what he did 48 hours later on that Thursday night with the right cast of people around him. He beat an opponent on a national stage. Can you imagine the possibilities that Daniel Jones, what Daniel Jones could do with some real dynamic pass catchers around him? Look at Tua Tungavailoa. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. He'd make me look like an all-star, like, a, like an all-pro. So if I'm the Giants and I retain Daniel Jones, 
And that's the, that's the right answer to the test here. That is the right answer. In the first round of this draft, guess what? I'm finding myself a stud wide receiver. And at 23, that's a perfect place to find one. And you know me. We will explore exactly who that should be as draft time rolls around. I will tell you exactly who I'm looking at and why, as you know that. This is how many drafts we've done together. And that's right. So guess what? As we roll towards the end of the show here, I'm Daniel McCartan. That's my name, and don't wear it out. And for what it's worth, I've got a Jets-Dolphins Week 18 prediction for you. It's my last Jets prediction of the season. Will the Jets keep the Dolphins out of the playoffs? And did the NFL get it right in its realignment of this season playoffs? All that next here on The Fan. Argue about it. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Final segment here. My name is Danielle McCart, and I'm with you for about another 15. Richard Near comes your way then. The legendary Richard Near. I know he's probably listening right now. Hi, Richard. Uh, as the New York Knicks defeated the Toronto Raptors, first time they won a game in Canada since 2015. Think about that. The last time, it was it must have been a wild around here. The Knicks won a game in Canada in 2015. The Giants were in the playoffs in 2016. I mean, it must have been wild. Mets were in the World Series. Let's get back to that. Come on. The New York Knicks defeated the Toronto Raptors 112-108. Julius Randle was on fire, man. On fire. And you got uh, that that mystery injury with uh, R.J. Barrett, too, that, that cut on his hand, man. But, uh, yeah, Miles, McGri- Miles McBride. Sorry, I, I haven't slept in almost 24 hours. Sorry, but Miles McBride. Two three-pointers, secured the win. Knicks win uh, above the border in, into Canada. And now to down to Freehold, New Jersey. We go to John. What's up, John? Hey, good morning, Danielle. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I want to talk some NBA trade deadline uh, stuff with you regarding the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of buzz around now regarding Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and a package coming to the Knicks mm-hmm. or Trey Young. Well, we've heard uh, Zach Levine's name come up again. He seems to come up every year. He does, doesn't he? He is now, uh, you know, connected to the Knicks. Yeah. But I think they've got to aim higher and go bigger, Danielle, honestly. Uh, I'd rather hold out and wait for a Devin Booker to shake free mm. or a Shea Gilgers-Alexander, somebody that's a lot more impactful. Right. And trying to put a championship team together here. And I would sell high regarding Julius Randle. Yeah. I don't care how good he's playing right now. I'm going to look to move him along in, in a bigger deal for a more meaningful player that I could use, you know, going forward to hopefully be a, you know, a huge piece in building a championship team in, in New York. Right, John, because you saw you he's he's great now, right? Sell high, right? Because you saw how low it can get with Julius Randle, and there was no value at one point not long ago. So I'm with you. I would sell high on Julius Randle too. Yes, I I said it over the summer when he was the comeback player of the year. They should have moved him then. And they waited. They didn't do it. They gave him the extension. Yeah. He had a bad year, a bad season a year ago, and then he bounced back this year. I want to sell high. Well, while every while he's playing well, yep. And everything's fresh in all these GMs' minds right now. Yep. And they're figuring out, that, you know, where he would fit in on their team. 
I, I would look to make that move now, coming up on this NBA trade deadline. Yeah. Off that contract, maybe you could package Fournier along with him. Yep. You're getting salary cap relief and getting rid of Fournier, who doesn't fit. And you're also moving on from Randall, and you're getting yourself a bigger piece that's really moving his team in a more positive direction moving forward. And if you acquire some first-round picks for Obi Toppin, I'm not opposed to that as well. And you can package those picks and maybe do what you didn't do a year ago and make a real big draft night trade where you eye somebody you really like that's going to be impactful for your future. What they should have done with, with Jaden Ivey, they didn't make that move. Maybe there's a guy in this upcoming draft because they've been doing a good job in the draft. They haven't been doing a good job in free agency yes. since Leon Rose took over. Yes. But they have done a solid job in acquiring good, meaningful pieces with quickly, with, uh, with Toppin. But you got to, I mean, Jalen Brunson was a good signing. You mentioned McBride hitting those two three-pointers yep. to kill the win tonight. Yep. So those are real solid picks that weren't high picks. Yep. So they seem to have the right scouting department in place for the draft. So if that's the case, stockpile your draft picks, try to make a big draft night trade, and try to you know relieve yourself with some salary cap space and move on from Julius Randle before the upcoming deadline. Yeah, or before he goes on that downward spiral again that we've seen. We've seen it happen. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you want to sell high right now. Yep. Hey, uh, John, are, are you going to apply for GM on the Knicks? I mean, that sounds like a very logical plan to me. Well, you, you know, they've been very stagnant in player personnel decisions. They, they didn't pull the trigger on Donovan Mitchell. Yep. And, I, and I, I wasn't opposed to that, Daniel. That was way too much of a package. I agree. It would have been the Carmelo Anthony trade all over again. You would have had nobody left. Yep. And, and, and then he would have got disgruntled. And he would have asked to be moved in a couple of years. Yep. I think that was the wise move to make. They, they, they should have learned from Carmelo Anthony, it seemed like they did, in not pursuing Donovan Mitchell. But uh, you look what Utah got back in that trade. My God, Laurie Marketing's really lighting it up there in Utah. Yeah. I mean, John, I think that you got a, you got a really um, really logical plan there for the Knicks. I, I would move Julius Randle high. I would. I would, too. Because, I mean... He hasn't shown that he could be the guy to get you get you to to the next level, right? And and they're just kind of hunky dory status quo right now with him on the team. So you make a big splash by moving him. Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, Eric Inron Konkuma, you're up next here on a fan. What's up, Eric? Hey, Daniel. I know I just got in the car, so I know you're up against it. But so I, I got a question for you. Given um, you know everything that happened this week with Hamlin and uh, you know the, how they're restructuring. Uh, you know, the, the seating for uh, AFC, potentially. Yeah. Now, uh, given that he's doing much better, okay, mm-hmm. uh, but yet, you know, uh, Bills, Bills and Bengals really both need to win their games. Do you think that uh, there'll be any kind of emotional letdown? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to predict how you're going to, you know, feel after something like that, right. you know, and, 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 uh, you know, they're, they're both important games. You know, uh, Bengals playing the Ravens and Bills playing uh, the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how, how do you see that those two games going? I don't, you know what, I, Eric, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't really know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that for me, from what I'm reading, what I'm seeing is 
I think the Bengals are pissed. I think they feel like they've been kind of gypped out, and and and, and rightfully so because they were they were gypped of, of 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 a home playoff game and this and that, and and to be decided another game to be decided by a coin toss potentially. I mean that is like backyard rules. So I would be pissed if I were them. I think they're going to come out firing all cylinders. As far as the Bills, that's I don't I don't know I I don't know they they FaceTime with them today. They all were upset in the room again. Right. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see. I mean. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what makes it interesting also, too, because, you know, obviously they're going to be uplifted. You know, everyone's pretty much, you know, either having patches or a moment of, you know, prayer, whatever whatever oh, yeah, they're, they're doing, doing a whole bunch. Game. Yeah. But, right, right. But at the same time, like I said, they got to focus on their games being that, uh, you know, the, the implications and everything. So it's going to be real interesting to see how – how it plays out against because you know their, their opponents aren't going to lay down for them. You know that. No, so, especially but, Bill Belichick. Yeah. Come on. Right, right, exactly. So I'll be real locked into both of those games. So yeah, anyway, you know what? You have a good uh, rest of the day, Daniel. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that, and I and I will too. You know that that's interesting to me how that's going to be. I especially the Bills. I mean, I'm not in that locker room. I, I've never met any of those Bills players. Really, you don't know how they're going to rally around each other. You just don't. But I think it's going to be an emotional pregame. I think you're going to see a lot of tears in the pregame. And I don't know how that translates onto the field. Lucky for them, the Patriots aren't so great. And neither is Mac Jones. So I think I think they have a fight, favorable matchup there. But I think the Bills are uh, the Bengals are pissed. And and as they should be, really. So um yeah, since the NFL has has laid out, I mean, literally every single possible scenario for this season's playoffs. I mean, there there is no extra team being added to the mix. The Jets are not making the the playoffs. I mean, that that was a rumor. They're not adding it. And uh in this week 18 in Miami, the Jets are playing for literally absolutely nothing. Nothing. But the Dolphins are. And with a win over the Jets and a Patriots loss, the Dolphins are playoff bound. Win over the Jets and a Patriots loss, which I think the Patriots are going to lose. The Dolphins are they're, they're in it. And if the Jets win, they're going to play spoiler. Dolphins are out of it. So there are implications for the Dolphins. And they're going to be starting, forced to start a third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who last week was not great. So this has the propensity to set up to be really embarrassing for the Jets' defense in particular. I mean, it, it's set up to be that way. You've got a third-string quarterback. You're playing in Miami with nothing to lose. It's going to be 80 degrees and sunny. Okay? Uh, so, this Jets' defense is, is really good, too. I mean, so you're going to tell me that that, that a third-string quarterback can come in and light you up? A Jets' defense that allows the lowest quarterback rating against all of the teams in the NFL? You know, when you when you rank them against everybody else, it's the lowest quarterback rating allowed the Jets have. The Jets' t- pass defense allows the second lowest yards per pass attempt in the league. And two, the Jets are the seventh best in the NFL in sacks on the season, 44 of them. Will that team show up? Will that defense show up again in a game that doesn't mean anything to them in a city like Miami you know, party cat one of the party capitals of the world. Eighty degrees, sunny, lots of temptation there. And Tua Tungavailoa, does he return? Dolphins need the win. No, he is out. Officially listed as out for Sunday's game. We just went over that. 
And you know the Jets' offense has been terrible. It has not scored a touchdown since mid-December. Not in the last eight quarters has the Jets' offense put a touchdown on the board. But good news for whoever the Jets' quarterback is this weekend, and that being Joe Flacco, the Ford, as Robert Sala called him. You don't appreciate your Ford in, in September, October, and November, but once the weather turns, man, it's Joe Flacco season. I, I think he's going to have a feast. The Dolphins' pass defense is terrible. And the last time they played each other, which was all the way back in Week 5, the Jets crushed the Dolphins, 40-17. to And that was ended up being, you know, in hindsight, the most points the Jets scored all season long. And if Zach Wilson can do that in Week 5, I actually think Joe Flacco could do it again in Week 18 if this kind of falls the right way. But... You know, Mike White's not playing. His season's over. And that this leads to the, to the X factor in this game. Robert Sala, in fact. Robert Sala is the X factor in this game. The Jets are going to show us what their head coach, Sala, is made of. Because it's it comes down to, will he have a handle on this team? In my, he didn't have a handle on this team when they were all wearing Mike White t-shirts and this and that, right? So, he didn't have a handle on them then. Will he have the, you know, and that was with, 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 with stuff on the line, right? Now, I just laid out all the possibilities. Lots of temptation there. So, will it be party central for the Jets? Will they lay an egg in this game? Or will they come out and will they fight for some, some respect and some notoriety? I mean, in a game that really meant nothing to Seattle, that, that really meant something. In Seattle last week, Jets were a complete no-show from the opening kick. I mean, come on. So we'll see what happens. I hope I'm wrong. Dolphins 24, Jets 20. So thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. And I miss any portion of today's show. The Odyssey Rewind feature. 2 a.m. was the start. Great job to Brian McKeon behind the glass and to Marco Belletti on the updates. I'll see you next time. That's going to depend. I know some of you are already asking on Twitter. It's going to depend on how the NFLs and the Giants playoff schedules work out. I'll post it usually on social media on Thursday-ish. That's uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going through there. Look for an announcement around Thursday, okay? Um, Steve Tarantino does those graphics, by the way. Great job. Richard Neer is up next right here on WFAN.